My name is Thomas Vale, or at least it was. I'm a photographer. I had it all. A wife, Allison. Friends, a career. And in one moment, it was all taken away. All because of a single photograph. I have it. They want it. And they will do anything to get the negative. I'm keeping this diary as proof that these events are real. I know they are. They have to be. Welcome to the Nowhere Men Project. I'm Steve. I'm Gabe. And today we are we we're starting to get what 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 you could very generously call a groove going. Sure. So, uh, <laughs> welcome to episode five of the podcast, episode seven of the show. Correct. And uh, yeah, this episode is uh, called "A Rough Whimper of Insanity." Mm. Um, do you recall? I guess I told you what the title meant last time, didn't I? Uh, oh. Is it a anagram? Yeah, because they say it in they the episode. In the episode. A, That's right. It's an anagram for Information Superhighway. I forgot about that. Okay. I've seen this episode less than a week ago, and I've already <laughs> lost that that's, information. That's that's fine. There was so much else that I'm sure your your mind was focusing on. Yes. <laughs> um, one thing before we get into this episode, though, I realized we didn't do uh, most clever and most silly moments from last episode. Okay. Not that we need to go back and do them. But let's try to remember to do it this time. Sure. And I think I did write something down. In fact, I know exactly <laughs> what the most silly one was this time. I think I have gotten out of the habit of trying to find the most clever, to Shoot, be honest. Did I do it this time? I don't know if I did. I'll I'll All right. I'll, I'm go sure through. I've got I've got yeah, some contenders. Yeah. So we'll we'll get there. I know exactly which thing <laughs> okay. is driving my brain insane right now. Okay. Even to think about it. Yeah. All right. Um, so I guess it's not, it's not just the, it's not just the last 20% of this episode. It's a very specific thing from the last 20%. Okay. It's very much. So it's not just a general complaint. It was a choice they made. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> cool. Cool. I'm excited to get there. All right. Um, so one thing that I do want to bring up, I, we have, uh, in, in the studio here, we've got, we do have the video playing. I just started it. We normally have it on deck in case we need to refer to something. I'm starting it now because there's something in a moment that I am going to reference, and I would like there to be a visual representation of this. Sounds good. Um, so I definitely remember this episode from when it first aired. Um, for a long time, especially like when I did a rewatch back when I got the DVDs, I remember this being an episode that I was really a fan of because of how bonkers it is. Okay. Because it's every 90s TV show... Every like 90s drama or thriller or whatever has the episode that deals with the internet. And it is, it always is so ridiculous to watch. But this episode starts out with my, one of my favorite things in the entire world. Tom is driving the greatest pizza delivery car in the known world. I didn't even notice this last time. It is so good. Steve, if you can, describe what we are looking at. If you can think of the Muppets, okay. the Swedish chef, yeah. and you were to put the entirety of him, including <laughs> his feet, from head to toe, and not a shrunken down version of him. <laughs> if you recall, he is larger than most of the Muppets. Yeah. If you were to put that and the actual sign of a pizzeria <laughs> that they had on a metal pole, yep. and you pulled that down on the top of what looks like... Is that a bicycle rack? Is that you put <laughs> I, your boat on that? I, think. I believe it is a bicycle rack. Yes. Um, I didn't notice that because I think in your mind, you just think, oh, it's just attached to the top of the car. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure they just had a car with a bicycle rack. So they took down the pizza place sign and duct taped it or, or zip tied it or whatever <laughs> to the top of this car. 
in addition to that, this card doesn't look real. It's not what we're focused on, but since we've stopped, okay. this car looks like a hovercraft from Final Fantasy VII. Okay. It does not have the shape and angles of a car. Yeah. It is sort of dome-shaped almost. It looks kind of like a Geo Metro. Okay. Like I had a Geo Metro when okay. I was in high school. Uh, kind because of. of this show, you were like, that's the one for me. <laughs> No now pizza all, sign. Now all I need is a giant <laughs> chef to be on top of my, my on top of my car. Um, I don't know if this is a Geo Metro, but like that same kind of shape. It's only got two okay. two doors. Uh, yeah, looks real like jelly bean shaped. Um, it's just now that we've stepped to look at the sign, I started to contrast the ridiculous thing it's riding on. Not yes. super ridiculous, but just, you know, <laughs> it feels like as this is a low budget show. Yeah, someone's car got this strapped on top of it. This isn't a prop car. <laughs> yeah, because because we've talked since like the second episode. I think about how a lot of the locations are probably just they it was low budget. So whatever location they had, they turned it into what they needed. And yeah, I guarantee you this is uh, this is just somebody's car. They probably literally took down a pizza sign from a metal pole and then put it on top of a car and then went to the nearby, uh, I don't know, puppet show that was going on. I mean, it's possible that's part of the sign. I mean, I doubt it because it's made of cloth. That would get gross real quick. That's true. That's true. Maybe an indoor thing. Like, I know some Little Caesars will have, like, a statue of Little... Well, I guess they mm-hmm. used to. They don't anymore. They all... Right. Well, I, but, th- but during this era, they would have. During this era, exactly. Um, so, in uh, I was nearby where you live yep. yesterday because okay. I had a class over there. That's and right. I, I decided right. I wanted a pizza, so I went to the Little Caesars Pizzeria um, by where you live yep. because I haven't been there in years and years. I remember them being the one that had, like, they were the one with the good pizza. Mm-hmm. And it has completely changed. It used to be, like, real kind of run down but, like, homey looking. Now everything is, like, clean and uniform with every other Little Caesars. That's oh, out there. Wow. So, yeah, you would okay. never see something like this in a modern pizzeria. Maybe in 1995 there would be a pizzeria. Maybe a mom-and-pop place that, uh-huh, yep. you know, like a local art school is having a <laughs> fundraiser or something. It is very hard to imagine how this puppet exists in the real world. Yeah. It's we are straining to and, justify what we're looking at. And you have to ask, who was it that said, okay, putting a sign on top of this car isn't going to be convincing enough. <laughs> we <laughs> But and I'm and I'm making fun of them, but I imagine that was probably intentional. They wanted it to look like the dopey pizza place. As we see a little bit of the pizza place later, you're not really meant to respect this company, uh, you know, to to pass a certain degree. So it was I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. It was probably someone was like, hang on, guys, I got the greatest idea for this car. When uh, the lot of us, uh, the year after you graduated, when a lot of us did um, the Godfather, the first scene of the Godfather, we done with a puppet. Yes. You know, that was just, <laughs> we had that puppet for a different reason. Uh-huh. Uh, we had it for a, for, for a stage, a stage play. <laughs> okay. We dressed that puppet up into two different characters. One as Don Corleone from the Godfather. The other yeah. one was we, we made it a female puppet, uh, so that I could sing a duet with it. And <laughs> Um, oh, man. So we had that around. Okay. So I wonder. So 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 because I've had this strange and unlikely, we have a puppet on yeah. staff 
uh, experience in my life, I wonder, you know, maybe there was just someone who had this crap left over from a previous gig and said, maybe. I've got you covered. And then day of, they were like, no, you don't, but we don't have time to fix it. <laughs> and then uh, just one more goofy thing about this. Did you catch the name of the pizzeria? Uh, you can't I, no. really see it here. You see it a little better later. Stromboli's Pizza. <laughs> okay. You so laughing because like, Stromboli is, is a different is dish? A, a different, <laughs> similar dish. That's like, come to Spaghetti's Fettuccine House. Okay. <laughs> oh, goodness. I... Uh, <laughs> Oh, this is a Th- fun episode. Thank you for the comparison, as I was not on board until you said Spaghetti's Fettuccine <laughs> okay. House. Oh, All apologies. Right. I got my... Uh, uh, <laughs> there, that will be quiet now. It's going to be so awful to listen to because it's just us laughing. All, All right. right. So into the actual episode. Like most episodes, uh, this starts out with a, a somber uh, a somber voiceover from Tom. Mm-hmm. And not just that, but small spoilers, when it, when it ends, the voiceover ends, it's real like, that's where you chose to end this? <clears throat> I can read it in, in um, I can read it in verbatim if you would like me to. Go ahead, because I don't know what you're talking about. This <clears throat> it's cut. I run. Whether I'm running towards something or away from it, I'm not always sure. Then there are times that I stop out of pure exhaustion or fear, or because I need money to live on. During the last few months, I have found that I'm not the only person who lives in fear. Fear takes many shapes, claims many victims. This is the fourth time I've been to this house, and it is a house of fear. I know it. I can feel it. I can smell it. But it's difficult to determine if what I feel is the fear that I carry with me, or something inside this house. Or perhaps even the house itself has nightmares of its own. And because we live in darkness and hide in the shadows, we remain mostly unknown. And that's... That's the voiceover. Um, I guess, sorry, there's a little bit of like what then happens and then they go to credits. Um, did you have something to say? Well, I have in my notes, actually. <laughs> my notes here says Bruce Greenwood can't believe he has to read these lines. <laughs> the house may have fear. Give me a break. No, okay. I got to have a paycheck. To Los Angeles is a hard town. If this was an episode about a haunted house, uh-huh. that would be a great, a great introduction to it. It's not. The house has nothing to do with anything except there is a guy that lives in this house. Yeah. And the house, spoilers, is only in the first half of the episode. Yep. It has nothing to do with the house. It is a weird house from the outside. Sure. But not justifying this level. It's a house that you can't, you don't actually see the person. Yeah. There's a, there's a pizza delivery contraption. A pizza <laughs> delivery slot, yes. Um. So certainly I think that they sort of, I think the writers may have hyped this up for themselves uh, yeah. when they were coming up for it. I feel like maybe this scene was written with a different episode in mind sure. and then it evolved into what we later see. Yeah. Um so yeah, some sort of a weird high tech higher tech than it needs to be pizza delivery slot <laughs> is used to deliver this thing with yeah. lights that turn on and there could have just been a person just hands out some money and takes the pizza. Yeah. Whatever. There is a little bit more voiceover though after the exchange is made. Okay. I suspect that there are more of us in the darkness than most people imagine. Those who hide, those who fear, I know this. It's where I live. And that is the intro to this episode. Cut to credits. Cut to credits question mark I have in my in my notes. What is this intro? <laughs> well, I actually have about 200 words on this intro. Okay. It turns out that's most, most of my notes are about this intro. <laughs> Go for it. I stopped at various different places. Yeah. Um, so 
when he's talking about running towards something or running away from something, mm-hmm. I what I what I liked about that, yeah, um, is that I have talked before about the show needs something. It needs it needs either the plot mm-hmm. to be strong, or the emotional connections between the characters to be strong, yeah, or his growth to be strong. For his growth to be strong, he has to be introspective. Okay. Right? So this is the closest we're going to come to him being introspective. Yeah. Or at least we have in a while. Where it's like, oh, yeah, Tom, what are you doing? Are you running towards something or are you running away from something? What are you running? Are you running towards your wife who's probably working for them, but probably just because she's trying to do what's best for you? Yeah. Are you running from them because they keep coming after you and trying to lobotomize you with gas in a really convoluted <laughs> You got all these people just just trapping you with really insane insane schemes. Yeah, you're definitely definitely running from that. But it was just it was a nice. I have here written down. There's a quote about how you know an un, un, the unexamined life is not worth living. Yeah, I said, but an unexamined 25 episode fugitive life is not worth watching. <laughs> that's, oh no, that was. Ugh. Oh, that's yeah. That's, that's that that's, good. that's you you. We really do need him to stop. And think every once in a while. Sure, We sure. need him to have some kind of self-awareness. It doesn't have to be – and it's tricky because it's episodic. Yeah. Right? So he's not allowed to have too much insight mm-hmm. because he has to reset to kind of zero every time. Yeah. And that's so damn tricky. Right. But I'm glad that even if it's jokey, <laughs> even if it's a little goofy, I'm glad that he's at least saying, what am I doing? Is it yeah. this or is it – not? He, he at least he offered up some solutions. It wasn't just, uh, what's my life? Hashtag what's my life. <laughs> right. He actually said, you know, is it this or is it that? Yeah. Do you recall, has every episode had a an intro voiceover? I know a bunch of them have. A bunch of them have. Um, because I've been noticing, because I've, I've watched a few episodes ahead of where we are, and uh, I have noticed every episode after this, I believe, does have one. Okay. And it's... I've started to pay t- to pay more attention to those now that I'm now that I've I'm really coming to realize like we really do need some voiceover from Tom otherwise we never get an impression of what his mental state is. Yeah. Especially after watching Limitless and I saw how they did it well. I have really Which started to is a character speaking to himself. To himself, another the version only of himself. He can yeah. yeah. Um so I I've started to pay more attention to those and uh it not that it gets better but like I can see why they do it. Yeah. from from this point on. I I <clears throat> I, I feel like it probably does because I know the amazing Derek had a different one. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'd like to pretend like I'm just a regular guy. <laughs> yeah. All the memories I lost. I feel like there probably is a different one every time. Um, if, the, if there wasn't, it was maybe just the first two episodes or right, something. Right, right. Uh, I, I definitely think they are, they are the majority. And it would have been nice because I talked about – I had trouble wrapping my head around this. And so it's mm-hmm. a terrible copy that you know we're going to have a headache trying to edit or we'll leave the whole thing in for our wonderful, loyal <laughs> fans of the Nowhere Men project. Yep. Um, but there are two things at play. Mm-hmm. One is the mechanics of getting the information of what's inside his head to yeah. the viewer, which we're using a voiceover. Limitless used him imagining himself. Mm-hmm. We talked about – how, ooh, maybe the ghost that I'm writing, that's what I was talking <laughs> yes, about, right? Yes, yes. Uh, that's, that's the ghost he needs to talk to. Maybe the apparition he could be talking to is his wife because we've seen a couple of different episodes where yeah. he really, you know, his wife is who he he believes is 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 working with them. Yeah. And truly, I think he would start talking to her. Yeah. I really yeah, no, think, I think that's great. If that's someone who he's in love with and he's trying to give her the benefit of the doubt, he would be having these, you know, internal discussions with, with, his, with his wife. But mm-hmm. in any event... We need a delivery mechanism to get what's inside of his head. Yeah. And then we need a quality control for what's inside his head. <laughs> and it has to be, if you want the show to do really well, yeah. it has to be Yoda level or Yoda store brand level. 
Okay. It has to either be something that people will that, that everyone will quote. Yeah. If you want a big hit, where it's like, oh, do or do not, there is no try. Even people who haven't seen the movie are like, oh, is that Yoda? You know, they can recognize the the existence of the character and the fact that oh, he says like wise shit or something, right? Sure, sure. Um, and then there's you know lesser known stuff that people will quote within their group, mm-hmm. and and you can't you cannot fake that. Okay. <clears throat> you don't have to be wise the whole time. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be a person who is wise 100% of the time. Sure. You have to be wise enough that you can capture the wise things you say and feed them into the mouths of your characters. That's what makes characters good is that they are a smart person with all of the in-between bits removed. Yeah, yeah. But they can only be as smart as the person writing them. Yeah. Because it's it's, it's you can't make them smarter than you. You can just make them more consistently smart than you. That's what a smart character is. Yeah. And we have run into some issues where <laughs> it feels like that wasn't enough of a strength of the writing staff mm-hmm. to put so much of the burden of the show's you know mechanism. If it's going to be these two-minute voiceovers <laughs> in the beginning... That's a lot of responsibility, and it feels like they're written like by an intern sometimes. Yeah, and I feel like putting it at the beginning of the episode might not even be the best idea because if it's at the end of the episode, it could be like a "here's the lesson of the day," and that feels a lot more worthwhile to hear than "yeah, so I've been uh, working as a pizza delivery guy, and this is a creepy house." <laughs> I will say, given the anthological nature and the um, travel nature of this show, I yeah. think they they do have it in the beginning to try to set context to the fact that we don't know where the hell he is. True. But I true. think they could try a little less harder in that and just give us the info, just the details, man. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, do a recap at the end, which I feel like, <clears throat> and it's been years since I've actually watched the show, I feel like Sex in the City, because she writes her column, yeah. concludes in such a way. I think so. So yeah, if he were if he had a conclusion at the end, I think you're right. I think that is a better place to put. Like I said, there's a mechanism to deliver yeah. that information that either and it's and it's not just a voiceover. The mechanism is okay. Is it the voiceover at the beginning? Is it a voiceover throughout? Is it a voiceover at the end? That's a conclusion, yeah. and then the actual level of quality has to be really pretty good. Yeah, you need either the show creator is smart enough to do it, or you know, uh, or if you know the creator isn't great at dialogue you don't have them do it and you hire someone who is you call in a friend to read it over once out loud at least and they (laughs) you know uh i i heard recently because our friend jay his wife works in la as a writer um i learned more since the last time we've recorded about how she has worked in the past okay and they're apparently one of the ways to do a show and i don't know if this is just because it's animated shows, mm-hmm. she works a lot in, in, in animated shows, um, is summits, where okay. basically they get together in the building. Mm-hmm. And I could be wrong about this. I might not be understanding it, but it, it explains a lot of television to me, at least <laughs> the understanding of it that I have, where they meet in the building. You mean they meet at the top of the mountain? What? That's what a summit is. It's at the top sure. of the mountain. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No. They... Gay with one of his classic <laughs> japes. Go on. They meet. They... They 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 figure out what the season's going to be. Yeah, everybody goes off and writes the episodes they're assigned to. Then they come back and reconstruct the season. Okay. And when you have things like, uh, you know, a TV show that seems to disregard something that was established in just the episode right before. Yeah. I feel like that could be some. If that's one of the ways the writing is done, I've always just assumed. Well, for the last ten years, that writers write in writing room. 
And she yeah. said, this is a new experience for her because she's not used to being in a writer's room every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's possible. I'm going to start assuming yeah. that these episodes were not written by the same people side by side. Okay. That they that they went away, were given a brief, wrote stuff, yeah, brought it yeah. back. And so some of the gaffes that we're seeing, but in this episode, they established this. It's because they literally hadn't read or seen the previous episode. Yeah, because they were because all of the shows were happening concurrent. Because if you think about some of how this show is, mm-hmm. it really does feel like you could t- you could remove whole episodes <clears throat> and yeah. just say, okay, now this is happening. Now this is happening, and right, like New Phoenix. We've talked a lot about New Phoenix. Mm-hmm. If New Phoenix exists, I feel like it would have an impact on the rest of the series. But it doesn't even have impact on the next episode. It's <laughs> right. not. In I thought you were going to say it doesn't even have an impact on that episode, <laughs> which I thought was going to be very clever. Which, <laughs> no, I wish I had because of, yes, it, they, they erased even within that episode the yeah. effect. One thing that makes me think of that they they did, I know that they did not have at this point. Um, we played D&D. Yep. And a long time ago, I, I, I ran the Age of Worms Adventure Path, which was a series of adventures that were meant to take a little over a year to play through. Mm-hmm. And they were all... They all came out each month in this uh, this magazine, Dungeon Magazine, which was out at the time. The but instructions on the how instructions to re- on how to how to, how to run, run those adventures. Yeah, and from my understanding, at the very beginning, the person who came up with the idea for the thing, he the same the same person didn't write each of these twelve adventures. It was done by multiple different writers, you mm-hmm. know, different groups and so on, and and a lot they all varied greatly in in what uh, what happened in them and their style and everything. But at the beginning. All of those writers got together and they were given or they discussed like a, a rough timeline of what what was going to happen. Each each writer was given like at least one sentence of what their chapter was supposed to be. Sure. Now, a lot of those changed quite a bit from when they were given the instruction and they were interpreted to be something very different from what was originally intended. For example, one of the adventures was meant to deal with a library of sorts, like a magical library and so on and so on. When that writer got around to writing their adventure, it was called a library, but was very much not a library. It was like a fountain you drink from that lets you see a vision or something. Okay. But if you go back and look at some of like the documents they released about their very early on thoughts, it was drawn out to be an actual library. Okay. So... In those cases, even in those cases, they vary quite a bit when they're given like, okay, chapter one's going to be this, chapter two's going to be this, chapter three, and so on. When Nowhere Man explicitly didn't know where they were going to go with the latter half of the show. So it's even a a degree further removed from having the plan. So even if they were each given like, hey, make your episode about this, none of them knew where it was all headed. Yeah. They didn't know what to mount towards. They didn't know what momentum they should be building. So, I mean, so I guess it's it's no surprise that some of it gets a bit muddled. Yeah, yeah. Right, because we're, if they didn't know where it was going, mm-hmm. I now feel less frustrated with the individual writers. Okay. Because there are so many times where I have I, – uh, there were a couple of different times recently where I've been like, yeah, answer the man's question. <laughs> because then we would get some details, which we as yeah. the audience would love. But if they don't know where it's mounting, they can't. They have to be noncommittal. They have to not really nail anything down. Sure. You know, it, it, I don't. I, to this day, I still don't know how you make a show like that solidly good with those kind of constraints. That's very you're swimming with a diving block. It's yeah. very very difficult stuff. Um, I love the idea and the undertaking. Yeah. Of we don't know, you know, we're of we're gonna try 
to create something new. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's definitely, it's definitely higher risk. Sure. So, mm. all right. Yeah. Um, in terms of, did you have more? Because I just wanted to. Oh, uh, no, not for the intro. Okay. For the intro, I just, I, so I I talked about here, I, I would like to see his, his psyche more. Okay. I really, really love the idea that you could make this a very interesting, I've said before, this make a very interesting book because we could hear inside his head. Yeah. So long as you can write psychologically well. Because writing the psychology of this would be very interesting. Mm-hmm. That would make it about the human condition. It would make it about the impact on Tom. Yeah. But instead, we just, you know, we've said before, the impact on Tom is he looks slightly askew and has his mouth open <laughs> a little bit. It's just for, because he doesn't have anyone to talk to. Yeah. So I love the idea of if we had the opportunity to see inside Tom's head, mm-hmm. I think it would have increased viewer retention. Possibly. Not just for the like, oh, there's something. <laughs> But right. that I think what this show could have been great at was voyeurism. Okay. Being able to see somebody break down or not break down when presented with this extreme circumstance. Yeah. I think people would have gotten in on that. It's just that we never see inside. Yeah. We never get to see inside except for but, – but what was nice about this episode is at least in this episode, he was a little bit more tender and open, which we're going to see. He he was sure. at least – this was somebody he did not suspect the, the – and there's no, <clears throat> there is no, and like we said, maybe summits, who knows? But there mm-hmm. is no rhyme or reason as to whether or not Tom is going to super trust someone or super distrust them. Oh, boy, them. yeah. He kind of only, he picks a direction. And again, that feels like a writer just saying, uh, this, this is what I went with. Yeah. And hasn't heard that, oh, some of the times he's really yelling. Some of the times he's really, yeah, psychics are real. So, <laughs> you know, uh, it's but it seems to be easier for me to... Get on board with this character in this in this episode because it was nice to see some of the things he's thinking because he had somebody because he had somebody to talk to. Sure, sure. All right, there is an important line that I wanted to talk about. Go for it. Okay, this is where I live. Okay, when he's talking about fears where I live or whatever the the goofy line was, mm-hmm. I actually do think that's important. Okay, I actually do think that's a huge. I that's that's a huge part of this episode for me. Tom no longer has the safety net of society. Yeah. Without the safety net of society, you you kind of he's not going to live anywhere. Mm-hmm. He lives outside the law. Yeah. And so this manifests in him being really angry or him being really <laughs> but but a st- story about I okay, t- tell me because yeah. I don't know. When you watch Breaking Bad, he slowly moves outside of the law, right? Yeah. Isn't that part of what the show was compelling for people was that he no longer has a safety net. He's got a brother-in-law who's a cop. He can't – it's not just that he's trying to get away with stuff, but he also – I'd say so, yeah. Yeah. That, it's it's You know eventually things are going to – everything's going to come crashing down. And so you're watching him as he willingly goes deeper and deeper into it and, and – yeah. And and is it compelling to watch him tr- you know, try to survive without being able to call for help? I think so, yeah. Is that part of because yeah. because what I think this show does, it is trying to do, especially just even in the title, even in I have a note somewhere in here, I remember now, in the intro, mm-hmm. the weirdo intro of this show that's just like <laughs> music that's you Yeah, know, yeah. There is just him in a four way cross He's in like a maze. He's in a maze the camera spinning thing. around him, yeah. Oh, where where that's where he lives. Okay. That's where he lives. That that's what, what they seem to be aiming at. If they like, if we were going to think this character was cool for something, mm-hmm. one of the easiest thing for one of the easiest things for us to think about him being cool is that he can rely on himself. Sure. If we go back to New Phoenix, 
it's him talking about self-reliance. It's not about anarchy. He's just talking about we need to, you know, not have all of it. Like, like they're saying we have a safety net. He's like, oh, seems like a safety net that isn't actually going to safety me. You know, that was his <laughs> yeah. problem with that. Yeah. Um, it wasn't that he wanted an- anarchy. It's just that he's had so much time having to survive on his own. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be an episode about someone who has been very, very, very safe for a long time. Sure. Forced out into the world and losing that completely. It might, <clears throat> it might have even been an interesting thing if that character had a different ending to oh see my. that yeah. character and how he might have, you know, it's almost, I'm sure, a mercy that that character no longer has to worry about the outside world, dot, dot, you know, dot, 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 like that, that. Yeah. See, now that you mentioned that, it's almost making me think of the second episode where he meets that other woman who's like also going through the same thing he is, but like she thinks that he's uh, um, Dr. Bellamy. Right. And... I don't know when we get to the end of this episode. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll come back around and see how that how this compares to that. Okay. But, uh, okay. but looking at it that way sounds sounds kind of interesting. Yeah, it's, it was if an... only the show had <laughs> spent a bit more time uh, focusing on parallels. Yeah. So yeah, I did. Li- it sounds like a goofy line, but actually, mm-hmm. this this is where I live. You know. Okay. Um, because the the nowhere part of it, the yeah. idea of a person who he maybe didn't have a regular life, mm-hmm. but now he has no peers. Okay. He is no longer able to just chill with someone. You know, he talks about breaking down from exhaustion. If they had done that in a less goofy way, (laughs) it would be exhausting to live without ever being able to let your hair down. It would be exhausting. Um, So I thought it actually did sort of pay off. As (laughs) as these go, it was goofy. There's some really stupid shit that can – maybe the house has memories. It really (laughs) – it fought itself hard. For its credibility. Yeah. But it had just the makings of almost being not nonsense. Yeah. All right. So the pizzeria. Right. Yeah. So Strombo- Stromboli pizza. Spaghetti spaghetti fettuccine. Um, so Tom's a, he's a delivery boy, a delivery guy there. Uh, the place is very busy. There's a guy behind the counter. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have a note that says they told this guy ordering the pizzas be as 90s as you possibly can. <laughs> so, um. I think that the the guy behind the counter, uh, I hate him. <laughs> and let me, perhaps you might see why I hate him. Oh. It hits a bit too hard, too too close to home. <laughs> I feel like this guy is a parody of me <laughs> at some point in my life. He looks, I mean, he's, he's, I was never that energetic, but he looks like someone pretending to be Gabe. And a little bit. I don't know. He used to have the glasses. I used to have the glasses. He looks, he just looks too much like me. And yeah. he's a jerk. I don't think I'm a jerk. I no. don't think anybody would be imitating me and therefore being a jerk. But uh, I just, I hate this guy. And I think that's a big part <laughs> of it. Um, so this, yeah. So Tom has forgotten his hat or he's lost his hat or something. Yeah. This $3 hat. This $3 hat. One of uh, um, one of the other employees warns him like, oh, you know, the, the boss is going to tell you hats cost $3. You make six fifty an hour. So maybe next time you'll hold on to yours. And then sure enough, he says, you know, hats cost $3. You make six fifty. Do the math, whatever. Um, These hats are, by the way, lined with gold. They are just <laughs> solid gold. What the heck? It's a hat. It's a, that thing could not cost more than 15 cents. <laughs> I guarantee you. Uh, wrap but a they, napkin around your head. You're halfway there. But hey, they've got the Stromboli's logo on it. They've got the pizza guy. 
This is where they're making their money. This is where they're making they their have money. To, they exactly. have to make up for that giant puppet they had commissioned. That's just yeah. been a huge money bit for the store. Yeah. So, uh, so I, sorry, go on. Well, just, um, I have a note here that says, did this woman just massively check out Tom's ass? I oh assume goodness. you didn't see, but I yeah, if, if you go back and watch it, there's just a very, uh, it might've been before. It was this, before this. Cause, yeah, cause yep. So right here, this woman here who she's telling oh, him about Tom, the hat. Tom stole a juice from the fridge. Oh. The guy catches it. He lives in fear. <laughs> she totally did. <laughs> she very does. Wow. Wow. So I have included in my Google Doc a uh-huh. picture of what Tom would have looked like a little bit before. I was like, was Bruce Greenwood attractive? Is that is that a thing if you fear someone in the nights? So I went and found at least a slightly Okay. More attractive. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I can see that. So th- I can see that. This is the only way I could justify her checking out his ass. Was this, this is the ass suit? There was for. there was a, an eighties boob comedy that okay. Bruce Greenwood was in that okay. I I don't know if I saw the whole thing. I saw most of it like I don't know fifteen years ago or something. Um, where <laughs> he he works in a clothing store on the boardwalk, and uh, the only scene I remember is the the clothing store has put a two-way or one-way mirror, whatever the mirror is that you can see through one side, right. they put those mirrors in the dressing room in the hopes that then they can watch women change their clothes. But then, of course, a fat woman changes her clothes. Wah, wah. Uh, but I think around that time, that's probably when when that picture was taken. Like, I imagine Bruce Green was probably an attractive man in the 80s. Yeah. Not that he's unattractive. I'm not saying right. he is. Just but like... This was this is a woman in her 20s, maybe 30. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just... Staring explicit, yeah, just staring just look down. At, cameras I, go has nowhere to go. I almost wonder if that was direction from the director, sure, or if that was just the actress. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So uh, just just before we move on from this, you say he stole the juice from the. Is well, that something we yeah. Saw? So the, the, when the scene starts, we see him sort of sneak over to the fridge and like grabs the Does juice he? out of there. And then uh, when he's leaving, in at the end of the scene, the the boss yells out, "Don't think I didn't see you dr- grab that soda." Does he say that? All right, he does. Yeah. Well, that's good because that's going to be important for when he when he delivers the next thing for for some of the oh, stuff. Oh, okay, so okay. That's that's interesting. Um. So the uh, Tom mentions, I think I think he mentions which place he was just delivering a pizza to, and the owner makes or the manager whatever. Probably not the owner. He's probably just some punk manager that, <laughs> yeah. with uh, with too much uh, authority. Man, I hate him so much. <laughs> uh, he he makes some comment about uh, he suspects the guy in that weird house being like a serial killer or something. Okay. Just because, you know, the slot, you put the whatever in, you know, just thinking. Yeah. I think Tom says something about like, oh, he's not hurting anybody. And he's like, yeah, not that you know of or not yet or something like that. Wow. I don't remember any of he, that being. I didn't write it down, but he has he has some sort of a line yeah. about like okay. he hasn't hurt anybody you know of. Yeah. Okay. So. I just remember, oh, you got so and so's old route. Sounds like you know, like oh, yeah, they've they've had to deal with this guy for a long time. Which yeah. it turns out, they absolutely have. Yeah, he still has. He's kept every single pizza box. Spoiler: We'll get to it, but all of the pizza boxes have been yeah. retained from every pizza he's ever. Purchased. Spoiler: Not only because that's from the next scene, but also because what's left in those boxes has got to be spoiled by now. <laughs> All right, you get like an extra bonus point for that for being able to bring in the word "spoiler" and it's spoiled in its actual context. It's the yep. original intent. Because that car didn't have a spoiler, you know. <laughs> All right, so at the end of this right. scene, he goes to the next scene. <laughs> goes to the next scene. So he's back at the house of fear. Yeah, the um, house of fear. Even though I feel like this is implied to be the same day, he ordered another pizza. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's not. But uh, I, go- I guess I did really think about it. But yeah. 
Yeah, they're they're so loosey goosey with time passing in this. Um, yeah. To the point where I think in the last episode they made a reference to it being six months, and I thought that was a big deal. Uh, in an episode, a couple episodes after this, I think they make a reference to what town the first episode took place in. Ooh. So we'll get to that in uh, in a few <coughs> weeks. Um, so Tom goes to the house of fear. He hits the button. Normally he'd hit the, he'd hit the button. Uh, a red light would turn green, put the pizza in, go turns red, turns green, grab money and leaves. But the light stays red. Ooh. Ooh, exactly. Uh, Tom notices the door is slightly ajar. <gasps> I don't know why the door is slightly ajar because it implies this guy has never left the house in a very, very long time, but whatever. Oh yeah. There's no reason the door would be ajar. Yeah. Um, so. None at all. So. Damn it. <laughs> I've never. Uh, the one flaw in this episode. <laughs> I found it. Oh man! So uh, so Tom. Okay, but but yeah. him going into the house. Yeah, and stealing the and stealing the soda. Okay, and the uh, this fear is where I live. This is part of the theme of the the show for me. It's okay. a normal delivery person, even if the door is ajar, is probably not going to go into the house. Good point, Tom. Because it's because it's almost creepy. Like yeah. Tom just like goes in. Like what what are you doing, maybe, Tom? Maybe a little bit. Yeah. It's a little bit, but it's you know it's certainly no assaulting a woman in a bathroom, Tom. So like sure, this is this sure. is this is tame for him. He did light a guy on fire. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the thing is that is that the reason that he's able to be helpful in the following scene mm-hmm. is because he no longer lives as a regular person does. Sure. And so I, that's why I also like that he took a soda. Yeah. Because he doesn't have a social security number. <laughs> because yeah. he's just, he's going to take this soda. That guy can screw himself. <laughs> right. And he will, within weeks, be gone and never come back to this place as so long as, you know, nothing bad happens. You know, I don't think he's going to pay for that hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, that's oh, a joke. They'll man. probably take it out of his paycheck or something. Um, oh, man. No, he actually, he tells him to bring that hat back at the end of the scene. I'm sure he's not going to bring it. Well, that. he doesn't. He doesn't. I don't. He absolutely, uh, spoilers, <laughs> things don't go well for Tom over the course of this day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He doesn't go back to work for who knows how long. Probably ever. Probably ever. Probably ever. Wow. Like, he's not paying for that soda. He's not giving back the hat. You know, maybe I'm reading a bit in too much into the lore of this episode. <laughs> lore, yeah. I imagine he probably is getting paid under the table and this manager has nothing to do with it. Ooh. He's probably got something worked out with the owner. Of course he does. You he know. doesn't have a bank account. He can't cash yeah. a paper check. Exactly. Oh. So, uh, so he's at the house of fear. The door is slightly ajar. He, you know, sort of pushes the door open, calls in asking if everybody's okay. Uh, nobody answers. He goes inside. There is garbage everywhere, mostly pizza boxes. And a robotic voice somewhere off in the distance is saying that someone has accessed a supercomputer user ID is required. As computers do, they <laughs> announce what is going on loudly, repeatedly. Uh, so Tom follows the voice. He finds a room with, oh, gasp, three computers in it. This guy must be like Bill Gates or something. <laughs> um, and uh, so he goes in and this guy totally, whoever lives here totally looks like a hoarder. If this had this episode had been played a little bit differently, this could be a very very scary scene. Okay. I feel like it's not though. I don't know. It, you want it to be? He's not sure if someone's in there waiting for him. Well, I mean, I, I think this scary could, how? You tell me how? Like like horror. Like there could be a serial killer in here. There yeah, could be yeah. a monster in here. I I don't know. I just I I feel like it was. Or are you saying that they just mismatched this scene? I I, th- I think for what is going to actually be in here, they they promised the wrong level well, of suspense. I guess not necessarily. I'm just saying if if they wanted this to be 
a scary episode. It could have been. Okay. But they, I don't think they were trying to make it a scary episode. Yeah, it's like a, it's a respite episode of anything else. Kind of, yeah. So, I don't know. I guess I don't really know what my point is, just that okay. the scene could have been really scary, but uh, it, it wasn't. You know what it is, Gabe? What's that? For anybody else, it would have been scary, but this is where Tom lives. So, we're just seeing it through his competency level. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's pretty good. Okay. I mean, then again, this is a house of fear, Steve. <laughs> uh, he can hear, Tom can hear someone moaning somewhere off in the distance. Uh, he, there's some pizza boxes all over the computers. Tom realizes there is a guy under one of the computer desks. So, uh, he's he, like covered in wires. Like when you say he's under the computer, he's, he's, he's not yeah, easily accessible. He's like wrapped up in wires and moaning and whatever. Tom tries to save him. And the guy clearly does not like to be touched, but he is. Do you know who this guy is? Our what I've been waiting that? for the perfect moment for this episode to <laughs> Sean Whalen okay. is his name. I knew him before seeing this episode uh-huh. because he was in a very popular commercial. Okay. He looks familiar. Again. But. Aaron Burr. Anything? I mean, I'm hearing you say Aaron Burr, possibly. Yes. So should I make you watch the Please commercial? Please do, because I also, I, I really, I went through his IMDb Heavily trying to go, where do I know this guy from? It may be just this episode 10 years ago. Uh, maybe it's this commercial because it wouldn't have been listed, presumably. And that was the Vienna Wood Dance in D, one of my all-time favorites. And now let's make that random call with today's $10,000 question. It's a tough one. Who shot Alexander Hamilton in that famous duel? All right, let's go to the phones and see who's out there. Hello? Hello, for $10,000, who shot... Aaron Burr. Excuse me? Aaron Burr. Hold on, let me just look. No! I'm afraid your time is almost up. Aaron Burr. I'm sorry, maybe next time. Got milk. So this was a very, I remember this being a very popular commercial. This okay. was one of the first Got Milk commercials. And certainly the Got Milk commercials were iconic of their era. Yes. They were basically the Netflix of the times. Pretty much, yeah. They Hungry were the- for apples? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, yeah. Got Milk was huge. Mm-hmm. So it was a very popular series of commercials. This in particular starts out with a, a man played by Sean Whalen. Uh, who is working in the Alexander Hamilton Museum, it seems. He's got Alexander Hamilton's memoirs. He's got the guns from the duel that ended Hamilton's life. He's got the bullets that killed Alexander Hamilton. All this stuff. He's listening to the radio. They have one of those little, like, uh, contest things where they ask a question, then they call a random number. If the person who answers can answer the question, they get $10,000. And they call him. And, however, so he, he is the perfect person to answer this question. The question is... Uh, who shot Alexander Hamilton, which, of course, the answer is Aaron Burr, as everybody would know after having seen this commercial, like myself. The problem being, immediately before the phone rings, he just shoved a peanut butter sandwich in his mouth. Oh, no. And he still got it in his mouth for some reason. He hasn't spit it out. That's not the point well, it'd here. Well, it'd be hard to spit it out. It's I not mean, like... For $10,000, you could try. But anyway, anyway... All right. As, he... a, as a bonus for this episode, we're going to see if we can spit out peanut butter sandwiches. You can see that on our page, www.thisisnotreal.com. So, all right. Yep. So he does it, spit it out. 
Does uh, he get milk? He Got goes to yeah. milk. Well, he, he picks up the phone and he immediately. Oh, that's right. Before he this, yells out. He cuts the guy off and yells out the answer. Of course, the man who shot Alexander Hamilton is Aaron <laughs> The guy doesn't understand him. He should probably be able to tell that he's saying Aaron Burr because he knows that's what the answer is. But anyway, he says, oh, hold on. Let me get some milk. Or, oh, hold on. Let me get some milk. He goes to pour some milk and there's no milk. Just drips. Just drips. And he tries saying Aaron Burr a few more times in the hopes that the guy will understand him. He doesn't. The clock runs out. He doesn't win the $10,000. And he's left staring at the phone and mumbling. Aaron Burr. And then it ends with the classic black screen with the white text. Got milk. Got exactly. Milk. It was to get you to drink milk. <laughs> so that's, that's, I knew him from this commercial, this commercial before Nowhere Man. Okay. Also, if you've seen the Polly Shore movie in the army now, uh, not in the army now, Jury Duty. They're both the same movie. In the Polly Shore movie, Jury Duty, he is the, uh, the, the defendant in this jury movie okay um but uh, who cares about that he was a nowhere man but before that he was in this got milk commercial this got milk so of commercial. course that's how i know sean whalen from so i was very excited to watch this episode mm-hmm. um it's not a great episode but as i said the person under the desk was oh i'm bust <laughs> i did have a little piece of math i did here go for it uh for ten thousand dollars had he won this is the number of hats he could have bought <laughs> 3,333 with a little extra. And a third. Yes. He could go in with two other guys to buy that last hat. <laughs> they could each have it. One of them could have it Monday and Tuesday. The next guy have it Wednesday and Thursday, Friday and Saturday, and they could alternate Sundays. <laughs> yes. That's what he missed out on. That is that is what he missed out All on. All right. So Tom, back in the world of reality, Tom Vale. <laughs> the world this of guy. reality, indeed. So Tom, Tom finds this guy. He helps him out. Um, gives I, him a juice box. For, gives him a juice box. I guess he was dehydrated. That's why he was moaning under the computer desk. Dehydrated or blood sugar? I don't know. I guess. So whatever the case, he is clearly not healthy, and yeah. he uh, he had some sort of an attack or something, and so he was stuck under this thing. Tom helped him out. Every time Tom like touches him on the shoulder or something, he like freaks out and dramatically drops the juice box. It hits the ground. It bounces. You see the juice dripping out with like the the pulsing Does motion it? of the bottle. The yes, bo- <laughs> it's okay. it's real bad. Um. Anyway, the guy, you know, he he he's like covering his ears and he's he's like recoiling, but he grabs some cash, hands it to Tom, and he's he's like, I just take it and go. You know, you got the you dropped off the pizza, you got the cash, get out of here. And Tom refuses to it. He refuses the money. Sorry, he says, keep the money, whatever. And then the guy's like, oh, you don't have to shout. I'm gonna give a little bit of a tangent here. All right. When I was a little kid, I was a little, I was a little jerk. I was a terrible. I've heard you say this. You are the child. youngest of five. Yes. Um, and there was there was a time. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I would raise my voice at times when I would get, you know, agitated or whatever. Sure. There was one time my dad, I, wa- I, I was not raising my voice. Okay. <laughs> this particular time I didn't, I was uh, speaking at a normal volume, yeah. but my dad wanting to immediately suck all the power away from me in sure. this exchange, we're having a normal volume conversation. He goes, why are you yelling? And I was, I, the only response to that is I'm not yelling, (laughs) which of course proves that I was yelling. So whatever. But anyway, at this point, this guy who we still don't know his name yet, we will find out in a second. He acts like Tom is shouting. Tom totally wasn't shouting. Tom, I feel you. Okay. I've been there. I've been there. 
Tom gets him his pizza. He opens up the like pizza container, the Velcro from it. Ah, he, he recoils again. He covers his ears. It's causing him physical pain. This this noise. The guy says Tom can leave. Tom Tom asks when he last left the house. He says that this guy should go see a doctor. Ah, no doctors. He doesn't want to see a doctor. The computer guy goes back to uh, to looking at the computer. Tom picks up a nearby magazine that meant that has a, his picture on the front, and his name is Scott Jordan. He's a computer guy. Apparently he's a computer whiz, but he dropped off the face of the earth. The front of this magazine is like, Scott Jordan, where did he go? Or what happened to him? Mm -hmm. So uh, we sort of get this in a little bit, a a little bit later, we find out that he is, um, he came up with some sort of like computer software and then NASA bought it or somebody, somebody bought this computer from him, this computer program from him and made him independently wealthy. So he's just been living off of all this money. I guess his parents died when he was a little kid. So he's been by himself living off this money for who knows how long, not ever interacting with another person, just him in this house with his computers. I think, and I could be wrong about this, but I feel like when they go, uh, they will go find his high school teacher later. Yeah. And I'm fairly certain that was 10 years ago is is uttered. Oh, okay. I could be wrong, but I think, you know, I'm always trying to find (laughs) any scrap of timeline in this yeah, show. Yeah. I remember writing it down, but that, you know, it was a week ago, so I'm not sure if that's right. But yeah, so maybe 10 years, maybe he's been gone for 10 years. Um, disappeared during the 80s. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, there's there's some good uh, uh, 90s computer banter in this point. There's a big machine with a bunch of wires on it. Tom asks what it is. Scott says it's a router, which nowadays we know what routers are. And Tom makes a joke about, oh yeah, for when you need to do some routing. But <laughs> Good one, Tom. Uh, There's no possible way that that could actually be a thing that you just don't know about. Um, uh, Scott asks if Tom knows anything about computers, and Tom says, uh, oh, yeah, they're confusing and impersonal, and when I get near one, it doesn't work. Good one, Tom. Uh, So Scott says uh, that the the router is a high-bandwidth connection to the network. Talks about how computers are pure poetry. They're orderly, logical, contained, on, off, zero, one, click, click. It's beautiful. Tom says he's more of the beer babes, knocks on his head, base, baseball type. <laughs> Good one, Tom. <laughs> Keep going with the, uh, the computer illiterate japes. Keep going. And then uh, Scott says like, oh, you don't. You think I can't go there? Like you think I can't go to a baseball game? And then he brings up, the most 90s interface you've ever seen of baseball scores. Uh, Tom's like, oh, well, yeah, but you're not getting the the smell of the air, the the bag of peanuts. And he's like, oh, I can get you peanuts. <laughs> and then he brings up a store page of peanuts. Were those, was that a thing in 95? <laughs> I certainly don't know of any stores near me that you could order groceries online <laughs> in 1995 it's 2019 we just got that functionality to get your groceries this de- yeah. delivered to you like was this a thing or were they just really trying hard to make it seem like it was a thing like oh if you just had the right computer you could do it i th- i think they were just making shit up okay. i don't okay. know i i mean we have talked it's been a long time since we've talked about it yeah um, or maybe I haven't talked about it, but, but Jamie, uh, who, who Jamie Maurer, who, yeah, who Rantasmo. Runs, Rantasmo, that's right. Thank you. Um, would find he was a maven for just ridiculous shit yeah. from movies and TV and, and internet things. And I think it was him. I, I could be wrong. Who for Sandra Bullock in the movie, the net. Okay. Uh, she has a separate computer for pizza ordering. 
Does this ring a bell at all? It, not to me, no. Okay. There there is, and so it must have been maybe it was something that Jamie brought up or I don't I don't remember. But yeah, this is one of the things that I recall from the ridiculousness of this era. She's like she's like doing programming, she's doing programming, and then she swivels over to another computer <laughs> that she orders pizza from. Yeah. You could not order pizza from online without until like two thousand twelve. And okay, I wasn't in computers in ninety five, sure. but I don't think there were just online databases for even for computer or even for baseball records at the time. I'm sure there was a Usenet page you could go and ask, hey, does anybody know what the baseball mm. uh, scores were for X day, X year, whatever? And I'm sure someone would be on that could tell you, but I don't really think there were like online databases. Yeah, yet. I feel like I feel like web pages. That's a worldwide web thing, which yeah. I believe is 1996. Like, I believe that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. But maybe they're trying to get people ready for it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe like, they had one. We just didn't have access to it. Maybe, well, maybe maybe <laughs> the people who were, like, trying to, you know, hype up the computer stuff. Maybe, maybe yeah. the people in the know. Maybe. Knew. Maybe. Hey, we have this, you know. Like, I wouldn't. I think most people know that 3D printing is a thing. Okay. Uh, but I don't think enough people probably know you could get one at your house. Sure. So there might be some people who are like, whoa, what do you mean you 3D printed this? I mean, you sent away for it. No, yeah. no, I did it in my head. Gabe owns a 3D printer. Yeah. Um, two, actually. <laughs> that's right. Two. One of which I can't get working yet. Um, and the other one that has stopped working. Well, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's just, you know, they wanted compelling computer stuff. In college, in, yeah. in, uh, in, the, in the semester of college I took in Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, I was in a class as part of the video games program. Okay. That was it was a it was a general purpose class to get us thinking differently about software design. Sure. And it was a it was a pilot program. So it was very willy nilly. And who mm-hmm. we're doing this today. At one point, we had a guest come in who was the college's uh, user interface design expert. OK. And he showed us a a supercut of all of the different times in movies and TV shows where a person goes to a computer, even today mm-hmm. that make him tear his hair out. Yeah. Because it's always so sleek. It's like a video game when in reality it's a drop down menu and yeah. it doesn't work and it loads in the middle of the page. Like it's got stuff has gotten better now and stuff is starting to look like this, but proprietary software isn't cool looking. Yeah. Proprietary software is 10 years behind and looks like shit. From yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. Like you you watch Iron Man and everything that he does, he's like reaching out into a 3D space and then he just like throws his arms up and the whole thing like expands really big. And and it's like that would be so imp- incredibly impractical. The, the fastest you could possibly do any of that is with what we have now, which is just a drop down menu or something. Crazy. Anyway. So yeah. he had a lot of trouble watching this stuff. Mm hmm. I have since just internalized, okay, this is just director's conceit. This is sure. just, this is in, this is going to be more interesting. Here's here's a nice one. Mm-hmm. In Limitless, yeah. they don't do that. He actually just sits down and types codes and he says, this is going to be boring. Here's videos of puppies for 10 seconds. <laughs> right. right. They right. lean into the fact that it doesn't look like what you think it looks like. Yeah. It's boring as hell. Uh, so that's the only other way to go that I know of is to just fly in the face of, no, it's like really boring. You <laughs> click over here. Like- 
I, for example, have a very difficult time with the amount of keyboard usage people use oh in TV. Now, to be fair, my mother only uses a keyboard because she she is from before you had access to mice. Yeah. So she knows the con- she knows the controls for everything. She knows the keyboard shortcuts for everything. So the people that exist, but <laughs> young people who don't use a mouse can go to hell. You yeah. use a mouse. Yeah. It drives me. Most of using a computer is 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 the pointer. Is the, is the interface yeah. of clicking on things? I feel like I could get by, I could get by with in. just a mouse far easier than just a keyboard. So we just have to lean into just Man. like you've said before about you know they would have the gun cocked already. Sure, but sure. the foley is there to keep us engaged because yeah. there's so many opportunities for us to just lose our attention and just exit ramp off the thing. Yeah. So it's just there. <laughs> I don't know that the Peanuts website is real or the baseball website is real, but definitely they would have kept us engaged in 1995. Yeah, Ooh, yeah good point. Look at that! Uh, look at that computer screen. I, I made a note in my notes that uh, the page that he brings up about the the Peanuts actually looks very similar to something you would see on like prodigy which was like a very very early internet browser which was still after this still maybe two years later than this but uh it i mean i guess it it looks kind of like because it they didn't hadn't really figured out layout and design and stuff like that so everything was just like big buttons that you click <laughs> yes. on so it does, I, it does kind of look like that and did you ever do any web design during no. that era no. i did and that's what you did. Okay. It's just like <laughs> like my first website was a website about chocobos from Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. I had all of these pictures that I got from other websites just stolen and putting on there, <laughs> Napster generation. And, you know, it was great. You had, you had buttons. They would click over to this web. And then there were frames. Yeah. You didn't even have to click away to a different page. You could just click this and it would load in the middle bit. <laughs> Oh, it was great. You couldn't bookmark any goddamn thing on the website because it was all one page. Yeah. Um, and then around high school, they started talking about we're going to stop doing that and start getting good. And then by the time and I skipped seven years between high school and college, by the time I actually got to college, they were teaching us not only things like responsive web design for mobile um, and that mobile is really what you should be building the website for because a website that works well on mobile is going to work well on a desktop, but not yeah. the reverse. Exactly. And that we were even, they're actually teaching things in college now, like, you can get sued if you don't have accessibility features, like what the alt text is under an image. Because if you're a blind person and you don't know what that image is, that really sucks. Yeah. So um, if you're a big enough website, uh, put alt text with your image. Like, we're at that level now. So we have moved very, very far beyond the... Big ass buttons in the middle of <laughs> of terrible color schemes, just whatever color scheme and font you wanted. No layout whatsoever. Or if it was layout, it was tables, something called tables that any of the people younger than me will have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. It was just a grid that you stuck other shit inside of. It didn't resize well. It was very <laughs> difficult to navigate. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, um... He orders some peanuts, or he says he can order some peanuts. Yeah, um, this guy doesn't order peanuts. All he does is get pizzas delivered to his house. <laughs> he's, right. He's not going to get variety. He probably orders those online because <gasps> that pizzeria was 10 years ahead of everybody else and lets you order <sighs> order online. Um, uh, Tom says there's more to life than click, click, zero, one. But Scott's like, psh. You're delivering pizzas with a paper hat, <laughs> which is funny because Tom isn't wearing his paper hat. We could, uh, well, 
Sorry, this is extremely dumb. We have reached a new level of dumb for things that I'm defending in this show. But I have to imagine he has cameras outside and has probably seen Tom wearing the hat before. Or the other guy. Or the other him. guy. Probably the other guy. Because yeah. probably I, Tom doesn't wear that hat when he's outside. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he he's, does. He's just, just he, he has that hat for show inside that inside the pizzeria, inside Stromboli's. There might even be a shot after the guy gives him his hat and Tom maybe like puts it on. There's probably even a shot of him taking it off and then like running his hand through his hair as if like, ugh, get this away from me. Yeah, and the woman just checks him out more. <laughs> checks him out more, exactly. When he's um, talking about the beep boop and the, the computers being poetry. Yeah. That is part of what I do like about, it's ridiculous, the actual words coming out. <laughs> yes. But in terms of the spine of the story, I do really like that for this character because that's all going to be ripped away and he's going to have to become like Tom. Sure. Tom does actually live even more than a regular person in a less structured reality mm-hmm. than this guy. And so I do like having the contrast. I think it's bonkers some of the words he says, but I, he, he he makes an interesting, you know, case for, listen, man. Yeah. Everything is predictable here, which is also why he doesn't bo- order peanuts. It's not part of his routine. Sure. Routine sure. is safe. It, I mean, this guy is a very well-established character within the first scene you, you see him. That's true. That's true. Max Webb only really works if he's actually the devil. He's yeah. sort of an insane character to exist. If he's just, some of them are, you know, yeah, they're not. They're not as like, for example, uh, in the New Phoenix episode, our okay. friend D, yeah, who was not very well established. We yep. couldn't really put our finger on it, other than maybe that's just how that actress approached the role. Maybe that's just the extent of what the direction was at the time. Yeah, this is definitely a character who you can get behind, like. Oh, yeah, I can see the history here. Mm-hmm. Contrast that with Paul, who you know within the first time meeting him that he doesn't like $2 words, except you think he does <laughs> like $2 words. And where did they get that marching band for their gazebo? That still to this day drives me nuts. Yeah. If we didn't do a what's the silliest thing on that episode, it's the marching band. It's not even the lasers. Lasers can exist in this world, but they couldn't have brought in people who play those instruments that quickly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Or. Yep. It would have to be that there was a conspiracy and musicians are disproportionately uh, targeted for disenfranchisement. I think you got it. <laughs> okay. Right there. So um, Scott says that whether you like computers or not, like your whole life is is becoming part of the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, like everybody is on here. Everybody's information is on there. And uh, he uses the phrase... This is one big cyberspace gangbang and we're all invited. Does he? Those the- words are actually said. <laughs> There's so much going on in all of these episodes that yeah. I hear things when I sit here and you do your recap that I genuinely do not remember because I feel like I would have noticed. Yeah. But there's so much. My brain is overloaded <laughs> with other insane details. I got different patchwork bits of the story. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, Tom, Tom scoffs. Once you say, oh, yeah, all your information's on the computer, you know Tom's got a trump card he can pull out. <laughs> so he's like, okay, try to find me on there. So he gives him his name, Thomas J. Vale. I don't think we've ever gotten what Tom's middle name was so far. Okay. We might have gotten the J, but we, as yet, it is still uh, still a mystery. Yeah. So stay tuned. Um, That's uh, going to be the real useful reveal. <laughs> yeah, the final episode, the final, your middle name is Jeremy. <laughs> no! <laughs> he also gives Tom's social security number. Which you see, I wonder. I wonder right. if that is an actual person's social security number. And like, 
Were social security numbers not precious information? There was no identity theft of the level that it is in 95. Yeah. But were you just giving that shit out? Well, so. Certainly for him, he should just do it. For him, it could. He lives in fear. Like that's, you know what? I'm correcting myself. That's what it is. Is he just, he's so brave. (laughs) Look at him. Giving out all those digits. Yeah, there you go. Not just the last four. Um, So uh, they, he gives him a social security number and his name. A bunch of jumbled text comes up. Scott is amazed. He says that apparently Tom was on there, but he's been deleted. Like he gets a bunch of jumble text and then something coming up that says no match found. Uh, even if he's deleted though. So here's the thing. Scott isn't just a person with a computer. Right. Scott knows computers. He's he like, he becomes motivated from this point on. Mm-hmm. He realizes that like, if someone deleted him, there's something to be found. And Scott says he knows how he can do it. Um, even the he says even the president of the United States couldn't do what these people did to Tom. It would take years, and you'd have to access every computer everywhere. I guess it's not just that there is one database that got deleted. He's saying that like every database and every database those are connected to all had any trace of Tom deleted, which is kind of interesting. I liked what he said. This about the president couldn't do this because it was one of the few times that they have been willing to nail down how big the organization Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. not having scope is a big detriment to a story like this yeah so well it could be interesting not to be able to track the scope yeah it just isn't (laughs) okay yeah (laughs) yeah they have not made up for the fact that it would be more interesting to just know ooh. This is bigger than the U.S. government. Yeah. This also tells yeah. us this isn't the U.S. government. Right. That's helpful. Right. That's We learned some stuff there that maybe will become canon, but who knows? What's canon? <laughs> um, so Tom's pretty distraught. And then uh, rather than a Tom bewildered face 45 degrees to commercial, we get uh, Scott's who the hell are you to commercial. I think that's a pretty good. It was nice. Pretty good moment to, to go out moment. on. It's, it's what all the other moments think they're doing. <laughs> yes. Um, so then we get, uh, oh, I have a note on this. Good. Because my, uh, app just crashed. Okay. It says this realization is what makes us feel Tom is cool. Instead of the insistence of look at how cool Tom is from previous episodes, yep, yep. having another character feel the coolness of Tom and the, yep. and the uniqueness of Tom is an, is, is an important tool in de- delivering Tom's coolness to us. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> in one of the comedy books I read, mm-hmm. I think this is from Hidden Tools of Comedy. I am not sure, but I believe it is. Which I'm not. Uh, which which has a clip from Monty Python is actually who <laughs> this quote is from. Okay, <clears throat> but that book is good though. Sure. Um, that the guys in Monty Python said eventually we figured out a person doing something foolish is not what's funny. Mm-hmm. A person doing something foolish, being watched by someone, is what's is what's funny. Okay. The person watching them, judging them. Yeah. Is what makes it funny because I'm not sure why I don't recall anymore. It's been I mean, it is. it is. I can agree that yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, but that's but that's so in the same vein, you don't just want to have a character doing cool stuff. Yeah. It's useful to have a character go, whoa, um, it's useful to have bystanders. It can be done very poorly, very yeah. easily, but it, it, it can help. It can help measure the experience for the for the for the viewer. Yeah. You need the straight man to contrast the whatever the other whatever the other person is because it helps establish the baseline that we're deviating from yeah um let me give you a couple examples of of a thing that did it good and a thing that did it bad okay 
Um, I'll do the one that did it bad first. Have you ever heard of the podcast, Welcome to Night Vale? Yes. A lot of people have. It's a very, very popular podcast. It was like- It's wh- a story podcast. Yes. Well, the, 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 the format is the, it's just one guy. I think some of the later episodes might've had other people on occasionally, but it's one guy. He is a radio broadcaster in a town where everything is wacky. Right. I don't like- Welcome to Night Vale, despite it feeling like it is perfectly my jam. I think the reason I don't like it is because you only get the wacky. You never get a normal person being like, what the heck is this? We should get out of here, guys. This is insane. You just get the one guy who is talking about all this wacky stuff like it is perfectly commonplace. Sure. And I don't like that. I, I feel like that it's very much not what its potential could be because it doesn't have the straight man. It just has the guy that's just like, oh, and then uh, a an airplane materialized for a split second in the school auditorium. And then a cat materialized in the, the bathroom and it's been living and floating in the air for the last two weeks. We feed it. His name is Jerry. And that's the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so that could benefit from a straight man. Then something else that did it well is the show Farscape. Uh-huh. There are a lot of points in the show where the characters do something totally amazing. They blow up a shadow depository. They take out a scare and dreadnought with nothing but a, you know, a whatever and a wrench or whatever. Then there's an episode where a couple of the characters, they wake up on this place. They don't have any money. They don't know where they are. They don't know what's going on. A couple of their friends are missing and they meet a person who's like, wait a minute, you're these people. Like they find out this person who like, I know who you are. You guys blew up that shadow depository. You guys destroyed that scare and dreadnought. How are you here? And they're like, yeah, I don't know. And then they're going to do like a heist in this episode. And they bring two guns. And the person's like, wait a minute, you're Crichton and Dargo. You are the Crichton and Dargo. You did all that crazy stuff. And you're going to, you're coming in here with two guns. That's it. How did you do this? And they're like, I don't know. We just did it. And that shows they, do, they aren't even trying to make themselves sound cool. They just are cool. And that's accentuated by the person who is amazed at what they've been able to do throughout this show. So yes, a straight man, someone who looks at Tom Vale and is like, who the hell are you? Puts things in perspective and it, uh, it really drives the point home. New idea. Okay. What if people, not in the way that they did already know Tom Vale, what if they knew Tom Vale in New Phoenix? Ooh, what if it had been later and Tom yeah. had done some stuff and they could reference very specific things that he did? Yeah. And then they were interested in him. Of course, you wouldn't be able to do your, <gasps> what's that shed? You know, a super <laughs> right. important plot <laughs> right, line. Right, right. But that would, be, that would have been a very interesting use of that town yeah. to have a bunch of people who can relate to the level of specificity of the cool stuff that he did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Aren't you that guy who lit Bellamy on fire? They could have at least said that. <laughs> Sure. Missed sure. opportunity. I don't know if this would have added to it or not, but like, what if uh, there were people in New, New Vegas that Tom knew? New Phoenix, but yeah, that would what, be What amazing. did I say? New Vegas. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's New, okay. New Phoenix. Like, one of his his uh, photojournalist buddies that was there when he took the photo. Sure. He hadn't maybe put a line in an earlier episode where he hadn't heard from that guy in a few months, and he's here. That would have created a ton of conflict. When we recorded the New Phoenix episode the first time, and then it got deleted, yeah, um, there was there was a thing I referenced. There was another show. It wasn't from the same year as Nowhere Man. It was a few years later, mm-hmm. but it was a a sci fi miniseries that not a miniseries. A whole, it was an actual TV series. It had yeah. two seasons that very much feels like Nowhere Man. It also very much feels like Limitless. Yeah. The idea was it was this guy who he's on death row. This government agency comes and offers to 
they give him like the ability to turn invisible basically. Yeah. And then in return, he has to work for them. If he doesn't keep checking in with them, they can't give him this shot that makes, he gets these weird side effects and he dies. Yeah. There's an episode of that where the main character and his like bumbling, uh, secret agent sidekick, they get like knocked out or compromised or something. They wake up in a town very similar to new Phoenix. Mm Mm-hmm. All the people living there are secret agents whose cover got blown. Ah. And it turns out they they meet another guy in there who the main character's bumbling sidekick used to be the bumbling sidekick of this other guy. (laughs) And it was his fault that that other guy got put in there. Mm. And it drives the plot of the episode at the very least because it's a connection to one of the characters. Also, it's two characters. They can talk to each other. Um, And it's, it's a similar idea to New Phoenix, but... There's just, there's more for the plot to go off of instead of just one guy that's always right all the time. All right. New headcanon. Okay. We're going to overwrite the part where Paul was explicitly, he was a teacher on a military base. Okay. Or maybe we'll work that back in later. Yeah. Paul and Tom know each other. What if Tom, what if Paul is one of the guys in the photograph? There you go. Right? So this whole time... Tom is suspicious, like the level of suspicious that he was acting yeah, yeah. fits to that level because, oh, shit, maybe you are with them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. <We> just, <laughs> Sorry. We just keep I, rewriting we, New Phoenix until we don't hate it. We really do. We really do. <laughs> um, so uh, it's the next day. It's light out. So I'm guessing Tom stayed there overnight. There's a picture of Allison. Uh, Scott says she's pretty. Tom talks at this point about how he believes she was pressured. She probably did what she did to protect him, which I, th- I think is is good to just once again remind the audience that Tom is still thinking that Allison is good. And th- the show really hasn't given us anything except for Tom's uh, Tom's opinion. Right. Um, so, and I, I feel like some of the later episodes do continue his, he, he does very much think that she is on his side. She only did this because she they were forcing her to, and so on. Scott says computers are better than people. Click, click. Keeps, keeps, I mean, it's, it's a, I think it's effective for what it is. Just yeah. referring back to just more stuff about how Scott feels about computers. But, uh, um, <laughs> repetition can be very useful when there's something weird in a scene. Yeah. So it's goofy. It's goofy. But yeah. It's more effective than it is goofy in terms of, you know, he is making computers personified. He's sure, trying to sure. make them. They're not like they are today. They were yeah. they were this thing that a few people use. So yeah. So uh, Tom says computers don't brighten up when you walk into a room. I'm trying to say you know, well, computers are great, but real people are better. At this point, in my notes I wrote in big in all caps. Oh no, <laughs> because Scott brings up a computer screen with a woman's lips smiling. It's going to go some interesting places, guys. Uh, Tom says it's not the same. Scott gets a grin on his face. He then takes Allison's picture, puts it into a scanner. And then this kind of cute, actually, he morphs her expression so it looks like she's smiling. Okay, okay. Tom starts to smile and he stops and he says, okay, that's that's closer. But then Scott says, close, but no cigar. Which is a bad move, mentioning cigars around Tom. Because yeah. Tom gets like a little uneasy. And uh, I think Scott even says, like, it's just an expression or something. Yeah, anyway. he does. Um, he, has, he has to hand wave it because Tom is visibly distraught <laughs> yes. over the mention of cigars. <laughs> the mention of cigars. And I will, I keep going back and forth between whether the show deserves credit for this 
or if the show needs to lay up, lay up on this, lay off, lay off, lay off on this. They, they really fall back on a lot of these same things like the, uh, the, the breaking glass sound effect. They use that a lot, not explicitly that, but something crashing gets used a lot. Cigars get used a lot. At the moment, I feel like that's good because it is a motif that keeps coming up. Yeah. Maybe next episode I'll think that it's a little overdone. <laughs> I want well, if we go back to the idea of maybe this was done um, with the episodes being written concurrently. Okay. Then all they have to go on is the pilot, presumably. Mm-hmm. Um. So everybody's like, "Ooh, you know what I'm going to do?" Yeah. Without realizing that four other people are doing it, <laughs> right? I'm going right. to bring cigars back. That makes me hate it less. If that's like <laughs> I'm grasping at anything <laughs> sure. to forgive this show. Um. So it could be that it could be that's why the the glass breaking happens. They they can't check. There's not a big wall, right? Yeah. Shana rhymes when she writes uh, Grey's Anatomy mm-hmm. is different from when she writes Scandal. Okay. Scandal. They can't write episode eleven until they've finished episode ten. They're sure. They, they just they're shooting from the hip. Grey's Anatomy has a giant wall of all of the arcs for that season. Mm, okay. This show would have benefited from such a wall, but yeah. they didn't even want the second half of that wall. <laughs> if they could have, at the very least, just had a wall that said, I did the cigar, don't do the cigar. <laughs> that would have been great. If they all could have just, you know, called dibs. I mean, they're going on about computers. If there was like a Slack channel in these days, <laughs> yes. someone could have been like, hey, guys, by the way, I made a cigar joke. Yep. Then a whole bunch of people could have given a thumbs up or whatever. Um, or thumbs down. I made a cigar joke. We're both wearing the same thing. One of us has to change. At that point, everybody's got to have a cigar joke. <laughs> got to have a cigar joke in every episode now. Change it from Nowhere Man to Cigar Man. So Tom opens the curtains and Scott reels back from the sunlight, much like a vampire. Um, Scott says it's better in here away from the sun. Apparently, this is where we find out Scott's parents died. Uh, Tom asks if he had friends when he was in school. Scott says he got his first computer at 13 and felt happy for the first time. And this is where he says safe equals happy. Okay. Yeah. Because I have this note about, because that's exploring the question further, Mm -hmm. right? You got, obviously they're butting heads over, should he be stuck in here with a computer the whole time? The whole episode is, but I like when he makes it clearer about, it's not computers that are making him do this. It's the safety of computers. Sure. sure. Right? Which that's going to be, that's going to be ruptured soon. Um, So I have this note. I don't think this is something that's directly tied to him saying that. Okay. It's hard. It's hard for me to know without it coming back and watching the scene. But it says, uh, when they're talking about his wife, Mm -hmm. they can make it about Tom is giving her the benefit of the doubt during this time period of perpetual doubt. Sure. He, the, the, this is where I live. Is perpetual doubt. Okay. He yeah. do- he doesn't have safety. He has the complete absence of safety. Yet, not in the new Phoenix episode, but he in this episode is happy even within that. Mm-hmm. He is making a choice to give her the benefit of the doubt because it makes him feel better. Sure. Because I'm sure he's tried it both ways. I'm sure he's had by this point. Yeah. He has he has run it both ways, and he is more effective when he gives her the benefit of the doubt. Sure. And so I like the idea that he is becoming immune to his circumstances. Okay. That's what I like about this episode. It's not what this episode is very much about. I think they could have, you know, if 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 cerebral programs, if cerebral television programs were more the norm back mm-hmm. then and you had more time and so forth, I think you could get some really interesting thoughts. Yeah. About there's this guy who lives in total autopilot. Okay. And Tom is on complete manual. 
Mm-hmm. He has mm-hmm. no ability to to snap into a habit um, because there's not sa- it's not the safety for him to do so. So he's got to be uh, he's got to be on his feet all the time, and he is learning to be okay with in, inside of that. Yeah. If you wanted to, we could say New Phoenix did happen before this, and wow, he sure has grown since then. <laughs> it's only like two episodes <laughs> ago, and he's become such a chill guy now. Yeah. But I love the idea of had the show, you know, been able to have the foresight of, okay, and certainly if if we ever are able to find the rights to this and rewrite it just for the hell of <laughs> right. how much time we've invested, it would be great to make it about mm-hmm. he's becoming immune to his circumstances. And this guy is completely dependent on his circumstances. Okay. He is so dependent on it, it is going to be his undoing when he is no longer able to have these circumstances anymore. Right. Because this is not – I mean, you, you made the joke about – Whoa, he has three computers. This is a special <laughs> guy. This is not a regular computer person. Yeah. Um, I do think that as as hammed up as that is, as ridiculous as that is, it is good contrast for there's not a second one of those that you can just go get. You can't go recreate his very ensconced life. Sure. Um, so even oh, for the way that he uh, exits uh, the story <laughs> – <laughs> it at least thematically is all appropriate. of your, your labored pauses make that perfect. Uh, so we'll we'll get to that. Yep, we'll get to that yep. pretty soon. Um, so Tom goes on about how real things are real and it's just not the same. But then Scott challenges this by saying it's just something he read in a book, and that doesn't you know seeing it doesn't make it real. And I think you know there's something to be said about that. I think there's a philosophy student or two out there that will say that you know, how do you know something's real just because you saw it, just because you touched it. You didn't actually touch it because your atoms are actually whatever, you know, it's the the space between your atoms that you're actually feeling. Um, Scott says he has human contact. He just makes it the way he wants it to be. Then I have in my notes, this is about to get weird. (laughs) And of course, I remembered this next scene. This is the scene you can't really forget. Um, (laughs) I I wrote down that this takes place in the hollow suite. Um, now, I just want to point out yeah. that what we're about to see is in the same house as the room with the three computers just sitting there. If you had what we're about to talk about, why would you still have a room with three terminals that you just go and sit at and eat pizza? Why aren't you spending all of your time in this other room? Just think, just think about that as we go through this. Okay. Uh, so Scott brings Tom into a separate room that's lit by neon lights. You need to make it look high tech somehow. Uh, he asks Tom. It if, is a pretty wackadoodle room. Now that you're talking, I'm thinking about it. It is like a club. It yes, is, it yes, is, it, it is. is like a dance. It club. looks like a dance club with a desk in the middle of the room. <laughs> um, Scott asks Tom if he knows about virtual reality, and I don't know if I said this on a previous episode or not, but looking back 20 years. This is what we thought virtual reality looked like. I feel like in 20 years, we're going to feel that same way looking at what we have right now. Right. Just, just putting that out there. Yep. So Scott puts a VR headset on Tom's head. VR is just, is, is apparently just wonderful for marketing people. Yep. And is not really, has never been rooted in the actual technological capabilities. Very similar uh, buzzword. Four-dimensional. 4D. Four-dimensional, whatever, anytime you see that in a name or a product or whatever, they just put it there because they think that unintelligent people will see that and be like, ooh, that that sounds really cool. (laughs) Yeah. When, depending on how you define what fourth dimension is, either 
everything is four-dimensional right. already, or nothing is four-dimensional, certainly not your pol- polygonal video game. Yes. Anyway. Not one not one thing, but not another thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, they put on these VR headsets. Suddenly, Tom and Scott are now wearing suits in a virtual world, a.k.a. an overexposed set of flower beds. Uh, Scott tells Tom to move his legs like he's walking. They can apparently feel and taste their surroundings. I'm wondering how this is possible. All they have on is a screen strapped to their eyes. A woman in a white dress glides into the room and kisses Scott. So in other words, we are now, it is now confirmed that this is Scott's personal porn chamber. Scott asks the woman to bring her friend. The woman flirtily asks someone off screen if they're playing hard to get. Next up, all caps, Allison floats into the room. So in 1995, (laughs) Scott just took one single photograph and has now made a photorealistic three-dimensional and auditory clone of this person with nothing but a photo scanner and a VR headset. Do you want me to come up with various uh, explanations? No. Or Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> so Tom, I... Tom freaks out, understandably. Um, have my notes. Remember how this was made 25 years ago? <laughs> and this is what people thought VR was at the time. Allison introduces well, herself. Okay. I will say this. Yeah. There is no cheap way to do anything in between. Sure. That's a very real thing. Part of the reason that virtual reality looks the way it does. Mm-hmm. Okay. When they did Ready Player One a couple of years ago, yeah. they have human looking characters, but they are specifically not just humans in the world with other people wearing suits. Sure. Right? Everything in that world is computer generated, is or excuse me, is 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 you know done by computer artists. Mm-hmm. Um there's no real way other than like Tron to do a halfway. Yeah. Without it being super expensive to do all sorts of computer effects. Exactly, exactly. During that time period, we hadn't even really gotten to... to, We're we're, we're still a few years before CGI cutscenes in video games. That's true. I think Toy Story maybe came out around that time. Part Uh, of 96, I think. Yeah, so Toy Story is the cutting edge of CGI at the time. Mm -hmm. Toy Story is specifically about toys. Because if it was about people, they would have gone crazy. Yeah. Incredibles was a really big deal because it was the first one that they were like, we can do more than eight minutes of people. Mm-hmm. There was a guy who was uh, playing chess with himself in the short, in the Pixar short before A Bug's Life. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just an old guy and he was he was playing both sides of chess. You know, that was as long as you'd ever seen a, a human character on screen. Um so it just was – it was completely cost prohibitive. The yeah. number of – I play a bunch of games on my phone mm-hmm. that are uh, freemium, which means they they're are free, free to play. You, yeah. And there is a currency that you can get with real money that speeds up or enhances things in the game. Yeah. You can either get that through paying money, mm-hmm. unlocking challenges in the game, or in many, many cases and across many games – Watch an ad and get some. Yeah. So because of that, I see a tremendous number <laughs> of games uh, that that have ads that use this system. Mm-hmm. There are so many shitty games that can afford really good crap that excuse me bull crap cutscenes. Yeah. For their game, and the game is like Age of Empires two. 
right? It's this this, it's this like, top oh, down this little scantily war clad game. woman like flirt with with some muscle bound man, and then the game is like Tetris. The game is so far away from yeah. you. You don't even see another human in the actual <laughs> game. It's all just little cities and stuff. Yeah. So nowadays you could do something with virtual reality that says this is clearly virtual reality. Mm-hmm. It just, it, yeah, I know. I I don't blame them. Yep. Just. That's just the reality is that there's not a way. Certainly they could have. I I will give you this. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been very, very interesting if Allison spoke with a different voice. I I would have been on board with that. Right. Because you're right. They don't have her voice print. What I'm going to assume is that this is just highly through the eyes. (laughs) And he, you know, okay. And the game Silent Hill. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, because I haven't played it. All of my Silent Hill knowledge comes through you from a presentation (laughs) you did a couple of years ago. Sure. Is there a part in Silent Hill or maybe one of its sequels where he's fighting all these zombie monstery things, right? I mean, I mean yeah, in all that, of them, that does he happen, is. yeah. But, but he's fighting all these zombie zombie monstery things in these games, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh my god, these monsters!" And somebody goes, "They look like monsters to you," which implies that all yes. of the people are just people to 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 the to the naked eye. Yeah, that that to everybody else, it looks like he's just fighting humans, not fighting monstrous versions of humans. Correct. Yeah. So it would have been neat. Though I think it would have gone over 95 audiences' head. Is, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. If Scott heard a different voice than than Tom, right? Tom yeah. hears Allison's voice because he's his because the subconscious fills in the <laughs> right, right. You know, um, but you know the the other guys never heard her before. He definitely doesn't hear the right voice. Yeah. Would have been a little touch they could have done we, for realism. To be fair to the show, we did talk about how like sound effects and stuff are just mainly put in there so that the audience is engaged. That would have been extra work and a lot of people wouldn't have understood it and it might even deterred some people because they because they didn't understand it. Lord knows know. this show doesn't have like a huge buffer of complexity that they can add. Sure. It sure. is hard enough to follow <laughs> as is. All right. Yeah. So Allison introduces herself. They touch hands. And then Scott says, she's in my database now, but don't worry. I'll save her for you. And I guarantee he's going to bang Cyber Allison the moment <laughs> Tom is gone. I would not trust this true. man farther than I could throw his router. I would not at all. Um, so a guy starts playing the cello. Tom is blubbering while Allison asks to dance. Yeah, that's well. I really, really like you call it blubbering. But yeah. I like the idea of this moment. Mm-hmm. Because I have we, <laughs> I was like, here it is. Here's the ghost moment. Here's the ghost moment with his wife. This is the moment where he gets to. This is the first moment in the entire series mm-hmm. since he smoked that cigarette in the bathroom that he has had a moment to rest. That's actually a really good point. So that's what I liked about this. Moment. I was too distracted by how bonkers this scene is. <laughs> right. Uh, that's pretty good. But it's re- he does it well because Bruce Greenwood is good at his job when he's given the tools for it. Yeah. Um. It's, it's a nice moment if you go back and watch it. It's very. It's a little gripping. It's a little. Ah, mm-hmm. This is really hard for you. Um. There are. So I've been watching this. The episodes on. I have the DVDs. So yes. like I'm in my mind. I think of them by what episodes are on what disc. Sure. The current disc we're on this is the first one, and there's there's two more episodes after this on that disc. The next disc has three episodes. Two of those episodes, I think, are episodes that very much play with the idea of Tom finally getting a moment to rest. Okay. So I'm I'm excited, and I I really like both of the episodes. So cool. let's see see what you think of them when we get to them. <laughs> the the other one, oh boy, it's real bad. <laughs> right. So so anyway, I'm not the next two episodes like after this the the ones we have after this are 
are pretty good too. Mm-hmm. So I'm not trying to say like, oh, we got to get some through some garbage. Just uh, pretty soon there will be a chance that I th- I think we'll uh, we'll play with that cool with that idea. Um, so Tom and Allison dance, and this part actually goes on for a really long time. Does it? Like once I noticed it had been going on for a long time, it still went on for a long time. <laughs> okay. In my notes, I wrote, I don't know if this is supposed to feel earned or what, but I I think. Giving them some credit here. If if it is what you were saying, where like this is the first time where he feels like he can rest, then that does feel like it has some some narrative weight to that uh, to to that lacuna, which is a period of nothingness. Ooh, um, I heard that word. I got it from Star Trek. Cool. There's an episode where Data is listening to various types of music, and at one point you see him. He's staring at a blank screen. He's listening to like 36 minutes of silence because it is. It's, it's some culture's music and you're supposed to like think about whatever. Okay. Um, uh, of the set. Yeah. I don't know how, I thought it was sort of elegant and lovely. Okay. I thought it was a nice use of a void. Yeah. It's just this black void with a little mist and everybody's, you know, dressed really well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that being said, in terms of if you're saying this goes on for a little while, I can't tell if it's because they were like, yeah, this took a while to set up. Get some more footage of this. <laughs> We're going to use it. That may be. I've, uh, I'm a fan of bad horror movies. Yeah. And a lot of bad low-budget horror movies, they put a few hundred dollars into that that special effect of a machete going into somebody's face. So they are going to ho- have the actor hold that pose with the machete in their face for a good 10 seconds to make sure they get their money's worth. Doesn't matter if you're literally just staring at the actor, stand there still with a machete in their face for 10 seconds. They're going to get their money's worth. Um, there is another episode that I, I can't remember. I, I think it's a while from now. There's another episode of the show that there's a, a big portion where it feels like it takes place in a void. Mm-hmm. It's not actual. I think it's, it's on a boat at nighttime. So it's just mm. like darkness and everywhere. But it, that scene and this scene, I think that's, those are the feeling of those scenes is kind of a lot of what I think of when I think of this show sometimes, because it does sometimes have moments of like loneliness or or uh, solitude and cr- you don't know what's beyond the 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 veil and mm-hmm. no 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 un- I mean, unintentional pun but yeah <laughs> no but that's what i meant about um i live here now like yeah. like i like the idea of he's going to be as comfortable in a boat at night surrounded by darkness now mm-hmm. as he mm-hmm. is anywhere else cuz that's his baseline sure so i do like that i think that 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 that's a nice evolution of the character if they could stick to that yeah so on the episodes where they do that i think that's a real nice that does make me think this is a cool guy Mm -hmm. there's a reason this is the guy we're watching be disenfranchised sure so yeah surreal i should have used the word surreal Surreal to describe this sequence because it's very like it's everything's overexposed oh it is there's like there's like fog in the Mm -hmm. air you can see everybody's Mm -hmm. breath um, yeah, it, it, it does seem, seems very so surreal. What I was saying about, it's very hard to do VR. They yep. work to the best of their ability. They were, oh yeah. It's not just overexposed. It's a little blurry, right? Little bit, yeah. It's a little, they, they were, they were, they were trying to at least make it look different than real life. Yeah. They were, they were trying to, you know, it's sort of like when characters in a stage play mm-hmm. might be wearing a mask. And you're just supposed to go with it. That that is <laughs> sure. That is a goat person or whatever. Like you have to yeah. just go. Oh yeah, that's. I get it. Like in Lend Me a Tenor, when the two char- two actors who probably look very little like each other are supposed to be mistaken by mistaken as the same person by everyone seconds after they just saw the other person in the same outfit. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It's just the conceit of the storytelling, and yeah. so they did at least. I mean, it's it's actually to 
my recollection, it is not fun to watch because it's so blurry. It's so mm-hmm. it's so it's so surreal in 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 the yeah. effects that they used. It would have been nicer just to watch a clean cut. Um, just that a clean would shot. be real bizarre to watch without without any of the the blur <laughs> or the the overexposure or whatever. Yeah. It, it would just have a different a different effect. Yeah, it would not be. You know they're going to do some really cool stuff a year from now. They're they're shooting the <laughs> Matrix right now as we speak. You know yeah. uh, when this is being made. Uh, you know they're they're able to do some pretty cool special effects there, but this is not the Matrix, and <laughs> they have they can just blurry up the lens. Um. So anyway, Tom and Allison make out. I put in my notes. I don't want to see where this goes next. Uh. But then Allison starts floating away. Tom looks around. Scott is gone. Um. And then the scene ends. Like. It's it's weird that Scott is just gone. It, when watching this this last time, I thought like, oh my goodness, what happened to Scott? But no, it just cuts to the next scene. Uh, Tom wakes up on Scott's couch. And if you... Oh, go ahead. Uh, I, I was just going to say he's shaving with an electric razor. Go on. What? He's shaving with an electric... Scott is shaving. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With this great electric razor. It's this, yeah. this, this triangular thing. It's a wedge. I have thought about that razor since then. I've been like, <laughs> oh man, right now, I just had that razor from that thing that I watched. I couldn't remember where it was, but it was from this episode. Yeah. I want one of those badly. Um, like there are other electric razors. I just want this terrible one from 95. <laughs> it's just so much fun looking. Um, if you, you said that, that the, them dancing seemed to go on for a while. Mm-hmm. I do think the transition is abrupt. Okay. I do think it is not done as well as they should have. Um, but it seemed like they were trying to say, okay, you know, not, not that like, oh, time passes differently in the headsets, (laughs) Right. just that, that it was so, um, real and perfect that they lost track of time, that it, that he became absorbed in it. Because the idea is that he, this guy was super dehydrated Mm -hmm. or whatever, was super malnourished at the beginning. Oh, okay. That it's just, and so I, for me. I felt like they were saying it's so good because I don't think you've played a lot of cyberpunk stuff. Not really. So one of the tropes of cyberpunk is that VR is going to get so good mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. it will become the new drug. People won't even have drugs. Their drugs are no, are now a small problem compared to the people who will do anything to be jacked back into VR. Yeah. So just having seen that a bunch as 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 a as a motif. In other stories, it was easy for me to go like, oh, okay, they just, you know, they were there all night because now it's, you know, the next day or whatever. Um, so I do th- – just because we have TED Talks on the show about transitions before. <laughs> right. I do think they should have done a better job with the transition, but I do think it's possible if they were – if it sort of went on longer than you thought mm-hmm. um, that would be normal. Maybe they were trying to telegraph the idea of – Wow, this stuff is just you don't do much in it. Yeah, okay. But it's okay. perfect, right? <laughs> that it's just so good you lose track of. Yeah. I think in Order of the Stick when spoilers Roy dies. Um <gasps> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I know like what say. he thought he was playing with his sibling, his long lost sibling. Yeah. For like a day, and it was two weeks or something. Something like that, yeah. And so I was just thinking it might have been like that where, where you that, just lose track of. That makes a lot of sense, especially looking back as a gamer and, you know, looking at, sure. oh, Tom's first experience playing a video game, <laughs> he lost track of time. Okay, okay. Yeah, there you go. I can, He kept right. meaning to get up and get food, but he just had to mine <laughs> one more block. Yeah. Now, I don't know if the show quite deserves that uh, credit. Right. But. At this point, Gabe. Our relationship with the show is 
We are trying to forgive the show, not because the show deserves it, but because we deserve it as people who are going to continue watching. It. Yes, that's, we have that's... to justify to ourselves <laughs> our our insistence to keep watching. Um, so uh, so Tom wakes up and uh, all the computers are going. They're all making like a chirping noise. Scott has got all three computers running full power, trying to figure out who erased Tom. He spouts some jargon about how he's the best, blah, blah, blah. Um, Tom talks about how, about the VR. It felt so real. And Scott's like, it is real. Your head believes it and everything else goes along for the ride. Which is a really important point later yep. on. Yep. So just remember. Your definition of important <laughs> implies truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You were you, uh, get strap in audience. Yeah. Buy that line wholesale. Yes. Because that is a conceit of this episode. You're gonna need it. And I mean, in terms of oh she looks so real from a photograph and oh <laughs> she has the voice. Like when I was saying, Do you want me to give you some 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 explanations for why the VR is that when you're like, No, I don't <laughs> Right. We were we're gonna need it. I realize now we're gonna need it later. Oh, okay. So is, is, that, is that what you were gonna say? I was gonna say that 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 oh, they are okay. saying Oh, this is that kind of VR that is so good. Your nervous system can't tell the difference. So okay. maybe it's just that, you know, somehow it's set up in such a way through the eyes because that's the only thing they freaking put on. Or maybe touching the top of the head. I don't know. Here's what you do. Yeah. When rewriting this episode, yeah. a small change you can make that actually justifies that whole scene. Okay. When Tom sees the article about who uh, who Scott is. Yeah. Mention that he was working on some sort of groundbreaking virtual reality program that nobody could ever compete with. Boom. Got it. Done. We, there's already lasers. There's already uh-huh. early Photoshop. <laughs> All we need is the best guy. We've we've established canonically, yep. or at least he's told us, and we trust things on this show, <laughs> right. that he's the best. So this is maybe decades ahead, maybe a century ahead yeah. VR. Because, all right. This is so lame. You know how there are, there's a lot more use of holograms in things. Yep. And they're, they're doing the thing where like you can see the front of the person, but like the back of them, because that's not facing the camera. You don't really see, it starts to get grainy back here, the further away from the front. Maybe you haven't noticed this. I haven't noticed that. So in a lot of different um, hologram stuff over the past decade, Mm -hmm. you don't see the back of the person unless they've turned their back to the camera that they're, that they're facing. Okay. So it's like the camera is just tessellating them forward. It's just pushing them forward. It's just, it's just using a bump map forward sorry if i got any of those terms wrong i apologize (laughs) um but like they're basically using you know advanced guesswork to go oh that would be pushed out that would be pushed in okay and i actually have a piece of software that i have used Mm -hmm. that does that impressively with like just a few little light cues can take a flat image and make it react to light and have shadows properly okay i guess i've i mean i've heard of stuff like that so you know that's some of the stuff they they keep doing in 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 holograms so we we sort of you know there's there's stages of the technology, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And all of the stuff is on glass now. If it's in, if it's in Marvel, yeah, right? where it's like, oh yeah, and just just everything's on glass, or it's a hologram, right? We just eventually, if a thing exists, it becomes more portable. Yeah. So let's assume during the ten years that he was on the run, so lame that I have to go through this. In my, but this is what I'm doing in my head, so I'm going to share it with you, so your ears have to hear it. Okay. That he created, you know, matrix level tubes and wires and shit, right? Yeah. That, that that would justify 
the level of experience that it is, right? And it's just that he's finally got it scaled down to a headset. We just missed the intermediary, and this is just so good. Okay, well, can... then here's another here's another line you got to put in in this rewrite. Definitely. When he brings Tom into the other room, he says, this stuff really takes it out of you, so I can't spend, that's why I don't spend the whole day in here. Nice. Otherwise, there's no freaking reason why he would be in the other room with those three computers. Anyway. Yes. Fair enough. That's yeah. right. He uses the computers during the cooldown period. But that's good. You're solving sure, it. You're sure. solving your issues with the room. That's good. <laughs> All right. Um. So, uh, Scott, he gets a hit on a government computer at MIT. So, he's got these computers that are, like, hacking into other computers to try to find out any shred of what, where Tom's information went. Um. So he gets a hit on a government computer at MIT. He finds Tom's files are still on a computer in Oak Park, Michigan. Represent! <laughs> Sorry, because we live in Michigan. Um, uh, Even the freaking computer. I have this in the notes. Even the freaking computer makes breaking glass sound. <laughs> because uh, something, something goes wrong, like an error message comes oh. up. St- Scott starts banging on the keyboard. He says that they've tunneled into his system. So, like, the government has now, they realize that he's hacking into this classified computer. So now the government is hacking him. Tom asks why they can't unplug. Or Tom asks, oh, can't we unplug it? And Scott says, no, you can't for reasons. Uh, but the computers start sparking as they do. <laughs> when something goes wrong with your computer, it starts shooting out sparks. Uh, they know where Tom and Scott are, which is a big problem. Yeah. Tom grabs Scott and pulls him out of the building. They escape the house just as men in suits show up and break down the door. Go on. Well, you said the government is telling us. Oh, sorry. Is sorry. That, well, the, no, no. Well, I'm just curious because is that what it is? It. I think I just wrote the government as a catch-all for them. For them. For the organization. Uh, I'm. I don't think. Well, he got a hit on a government computer. Right. So that's what I, I wonder if that's what I'm asking is I I assume this was the organization, but now maybe it's just the government. He's got to deal with actual law enforcement. I, I do think that that was a lot. I think that was a reference to a line in the show. Okay. Um. Well, what I liked about, you know, when he when he does get like, first of all, they get there really fast. Like, holy oh, yeah. crap. They like show up in full force. Like they had seconds to get out of the house. Yeah. Um. But I did like the idea that the rest of the time, except for when he gets, you know, like is running over kids in San Francisco and, <laughs> yep. you know, kidnapping women in whatever other town. Yeah. Nobody can find him. Like, I like the idea that they, they do lose track of him. Yeah. The the whole Max Webb episode about he's so predictable. Yeah. I finally, after various hours of not. You know, after days of letting that <laughs> sink back into my mind and so having more energy to give them points, I liked the idea of what I used to talk about in the early episodes when I was like 100 years younger. Yeah. Um, maybe I like the idea of it being just a magician, that the, the organization is just they make you think mm-hmm. they are bigger than they actually are. Sure. We've had it confirmed in this episode that actually they got to be higher than the president. They're, at least their abilities, right? Yeah. We, we, we have a couple different times established that there are certainly people who can extend their technology law, you know, much further than the general pub, public. So yeah. maybe they're just super smart. And we've seen, uh, you know, Raphael Sabarge in the, uh, in the, you know, that was an episode where 
with with the implanting the the, the memories oh, oh, with, yeah, with, yeah, yeah. with Carrie and Moss. Yeah. Like that was an episode where they were like, oh, look, look at what we can do. Look mm-hmm. at what we can when we had to hand wave some stuff for it's probably <laughs> not that pretty. It's just that it yeah. is that consistent in the memory fibers or whatever. Right. In any event, I like the idea that they are not omniscient. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're not they're they're able to play their hand really well when they're prepared. Sure. That they knew that he would come to the town that Eddie, that David Eddie Powers was from. Mm-hmm. And so when he came there, they could have been waiting there for months. Yeah. Right? That it wasn't like they knew when he was going to show up. They played it off as that's when he showed up. Sure. So I liked sure. that idea retroactively that like actually they were like, oh shit, Tom Vale's coming. Get all the crazy shit together. Mm-hmm. Um, because the the contrast of when people showed up to find him, I was like, oh yeah, because the rest of the time he actually is invisible. He actually is, you know, doing a good job of hiding himself. I like that idea because otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, they're yeah, just too powerful to be interesting. All right, so they come yeah. after him. So um, gotta run now. Yeah. So so at, so at this point, Scott has to leave his house. Yeah. After being harmed by the sunlight, being harmed by. Uh, Tom's normal speaking voice. Uh, <laughs> he now is pulled out into the real world. Tom is carrying Scott down the road. Every noise is deafening. Every light is too loud. There's a freaking doomsday crier on the street. What town does this take place in? There's a guy walking around with a sandwich board that sounds like the end is nigh. I have some notes on this, actually. But go ahead and keep describing. But I have some interesting thoughts on that. Um, like, I, I was interested in some of the things. Well, so I do want to say, similar to how the early scene, the earlier scene where Tom shows up at his house, could have been really creepy. I think this scene genuinely is terrifying. Yeah. Like... It is a very well done scene. Everything is like fisheye lens, like mm-hmm. slightly lower than normal. It's like right up in your face. Everything is too loud. Everything is, is uh, it's all your senses are getting overloaded. It is actually pretty effective. And I, I do want to give them credit for that. I wanted to make a note about this. Yeah. That um, in all this freaking out, mm-hmm. it's the POV of Scott. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. If I didn't make that clear, that's what it is. Well, and so, I, I mean, and when I say POV, I mean, just that's who we're focused on, not mm-hmm. like we see it out of his eyes. Um, but that if you watch Tom during this, Tom is cool, calm, and collected the whole time. It's not like he's freaking out. Okay. We're seeing this is what the world. So I don't even know if there is a doomsday crier. Good point. I, Good I, point. And maybe yeah. there was. Maybe there was. Maybe there's. But there, it very well could have just been guy, you know, uh, a homeless person with a sign. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that's giving them too much credit, but it's definitely sure. meant to be um, this distorted. This is how upsetting it is for him to be dragged through through the world. Yeah. If that was their intent, I would have expected them to indicate it some way or another. Yeah. But yeah. Have you seen Minority Report with Tom Cruise? No. OK. That's the one where they they can see the ca- future. They catch people for catching for committing for crimes, crimes the they future. haven't done. Yeah. Um, it's based like their ability to do that, mm-hmm. their providence to do that is they, they, I don't think I use that word correctly. Their, their jurisdiction to do that mm-hmm. comes from, they have three psychics. Mm-hmm. There are psychics in this world. Yep. They live in a tub, basically. They live in like a vat. Okay. They are kept in like a pool to, so that, so that they are, they are just, they're in a twilight stakes. It makes them better at predicting murders. Sure. So eventually, spoilers for Minority Report, a movie that came out a decade and a half ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, eventually, one of them is removed from that tank and has to go out in the real world. 
Mm. And it's very, very, very difficult for her. And it's a very visually similar scene. Like, yeah. like there, there are times when I am watching Nowhere Man that I'm like, wow, did they watch Nowhere Man when making X? <laughs> because X does this really well. And all you really need is budget. Yeah. They, there is some, there are some good ideas in Nowhere Man that I then see in other things. So I don't want to do it now, but at some point I may send you a clip of this is that scene from Minority Report. And you'd be like, this is the scene from Nowhere Man. <laughs> okay. There's a very similar scene in the uh, Bruce, uh, not Bruce Greenwood, the the Bruce Willis movie Surrogates. Okay. I haven't seen it for a long time. I keep thinking we need um, to watch, I need to watch it. Because there is a scene where he has to come out of his surrogate and like go out in the world. And, like nobody goes out in the real world. Everybody right. goes out through their robots. Yeah. Uh, and it's very, very similar. You know, like everything is, is too loud. Everything's too bright. And, uh, but then he gets along just fine. Yeah. What was cool about about um, this is that it's not uh, uh, the character itself going out into the world. You have mm-hmm. you have two people. So so what what sure. what was nice? Um, and I mean it's a Tom Cruise movie, so it's all about Tom Cruise doing cool Tom Cruise. Yeah, things. yeah. Tom Cruise running uh, towards the camera. But yeah. in this instance, <laughs> uh, but in this instance, it's nice because it gives Tom a chance to do to 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 take care of someone. Yeah. Which, which, which is so, it's, it's almost, it's all, not that it negates it, but it's almost the opposite of stalking a woman in the bathroom. You know, it's sure, like, it's a, sure. it's a nice getting to see him, um, use his skills for good. And the person he's taking care of is not a young child <laughs> that he has abducted and is taking off his belt in front as, of. As he is wont to do. <laughs> as he is wont to do. Yes. Um, uh, my, my only real problem with this segment is that it's not long enough. Mm. Like, because after this, Tom sets Scott down on a mattress in an alleyway, and then uh, Tom asks Scott if there is anybody he can go to, friends or family. They eventually come up with the only person that Scott ever, that that ever was really friends with, because his family's all dead, the only person he ever felt friends with was his high school computers teacher. So... Tom looks her up, calls her, whatever. They 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 go to her house. I don't think he calls her. I think they just go to her house. Yeah. And then then this whole segment is gone. Is is over. I would have liked more of the episode to be this because I yeah. think this is the strongest part of the episode. I I could be wrong, but I'm guessing budgetary reasons. Probably. I mean, I have been thinking about it the whole time we've been recording this. That mm-hmm. you say that there is a close up of the juice jukebox hit the juice box hitting the floor. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, wow, they were scraping the bottom of the barrel for B-roll footage in this one. And then they, also a very long shot of him dancing with his wife. And it's dancing. So I almost brought it up then where I sometimes wonder if they just didn't have enough footage to meet the – I love modern television times. They are mm-hmm. no longer required to be a certain length. Yeah. And I don't notice it. There are times where there are there are shows that are like, this episode is 31 minutes long. This episode is 26 minutes long. This episode is, they still maintain consistency of the the acts that are going to be in there. Yeah. But in terms of if 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 one of them needs to be shorter, they just make it shorter. Yeah. And it feels like maybe they intended for that scene to be longer. It was too expensive to make it longer and they had a juice box shot instead. That's where my head is at now. Is maybe. That, I doubt it, but it feels like some of the choices that they did put into the <laughs> that's just what I'm saying. It's like they had room in the scene that they could have trimmed down yeah. to make room for what would have been a cool sequence. But I have to imagine they didn't have that sequence to put in. Yeah. And uh, I have to imagine that was for money reasons. Um, And then one more thing that uh, I don't think I realized this when I was writing my notes, but one more thing about that scene before they go to uh, uh, Scott's teacher's house Mm -hmm. is that um, Scott is lamenting the fact that his whole life was in those computers and basically his whole life has been taken from him. Yeah. 
paralleling with Tom, yeah. whose entire life was taken from him. I don't think I realized that when I was watching it, but uh, I realize it now. So they go to Mrs. Peters' house, mm-hmm. is her name. I think Ms. Peters, I believe. Um, and I, there's another thing where I noticed the name on a cab. New Rose City. Oh, okay. I don't think that's the name of an actual city, but okay. It's, a, it's a city, at that's least. That's nice, though. We should keep that uh, in our hip pocket for our own Easter eggs. Like, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> next time you need a city, you're doing fiction. New Rose City. Yeah. And people oh. like, oh, is that a Nowhere Man reference? <laughs> Sorry, <come on. laughs> Nobody ever would say that. That is a phrase you could set in Futurama. You could set Bender's self-destruct to go off of that phrase because nobody has ever said it. Um. I was going to say earlier, uh, they, you know, if I were to do a, a rewrite of the, mm-hmm. you know, the whole series or whatever, mm-hmm. one thing that I think would be really neat is maybe in a later episode, not necessarily right here, cause it would kind of mess up the narrative is if, um, it turned out many of the episodes that seemed to be un- completely disconnected Ooh. all were connected. Yeah. Maybe the guy that did the test on uh, to- the guy that was mm-hmm. doing the VR stuff to Tom in that earlier episode mm-hmm. was using software created by Scott. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't, again, if it came out in this episode, that might throw things off because then that might make Tom suspicious. Yeah. But in a later episode, Tom could find out, oh, that guy was using software made by this other thing. And then if the intent is then to have it all seem like everything has been orchestrated, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the intent or not, but if it was, then that could be a nice connection or even just an Easter egg to throw in the background. Yeah. I think maybe Easter egg would be better. I don't know. Cause then otherwise you get it. It, Done poorly, it will border on the heroes. Everyone is a hero, and everyone is related. Yeah, problem. Yeah, um, because you just it just has to feel justified. Is all sure. Even if here's the thing. Here's mm-hmm. the thing about heroes. Not to completely tangent to heroes, but it's important for for television in general, for stories in general. Sure. All of those people being related in heroes could be okay. They just didn't do it well. Yeah. It would be super interesting for there's this massive family made of superheroes it's just at that point it's a family drama and you need to bring on writers who can write that interestingly yeah there's an agatha christie uh story that was recently within the last couple of years adapted on amazon okay it's called innocence no it's called ordeal by innocence or something like that um and it's a it's a murder mystery without a detective Oh. Yeah. And it's just this big family that was put together by this man and this woman who adopted people. And they're all grown up now. And it was it was the best family interaction I have ever seen in 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 I don't know about the best, but it was just solid. It was solid family interaction mm-hmm. of a bunch of these siblings who do not trust or like each other because also there was a murder in the family and it's not clear who maybe did it. <laughs> sure. Um, I might need to watch that. I think I, it's, it's I put it on my to-do list. Cool. Um, I liked it. It's in three parts. It's part of it's because it's in three parts. It's a little longer than it needs to be. So mm-hmm. just if it feels like it's dipping, my, res- my recommendation is probably not bad. You just probably are in one of the dip bits. But sure. Um, I hope. Anytime there's family crap like that, mm-hmm. if you bring on whoever wrote and adapted the Agatha Christie work. Because there's this show called The Umbrella Academy that's about a bunch of superheroes who – or about about a bunch of kids who, like, had superpowers and they were all brought together. Yeah. Uh, They were all from different families and they were brought together and adopted at this academy. Um, And it's about them in their 30s all coming back together because their dad has died. It could be really good. Yeah. But you got to do it really well. Yeah. Did you know was that done really well? 
No. Oh, okay. By my estimation, right. it wasn't. I, I, I mean, it, it was done all right. It wasn't. It's just mm. when I when I watched it, I was like, I wish the Shanti Agatha Christie people. Oh, sure. My goodness. So, if you were going to take the episodes and you were going to to tie them all together better, mm-hmm. I don't even know which type of writer that requires. Yeah. It's just they'd have to be at the top of their game because right. it could just very easily fall into the heroes isn't bad because everybody's related. Heroes is bad because everybody is related was a really there was a shortcut they kept yes. taking. Yes, it was a it was a very easy crutch to to rely on. So as long as it wasn't a shortcut that they kept taking to justify the insanity of these episodes, because otherwise mm-hmm. it backfires and it's just like no, no, <laughs> I feel manipulated. Yeah, right. So it, you would have to do it well, but I would love it if they did start tying these characters together, because there there are. Um, without any spoilers, there are later episodes that do call back to earlier episodes in ways you would not have expected. Okay. Or not necessarily, even if it doesn't specifically call back to an earlier episode, there will be later episodes where you will look back or maybe I will point out because sure. I've been watching sure. for it. We'll look back at earlier episodes and be like, hey, remember when that happened? Cool. Think about that with this new context. You okay, know. cool. Yeah. So that I'm, I'll be curious to see how they do it. And and I'm very, I'm very much so looking forward to it because tying this stuff together and not fucking it up is so difficult to do. Yeah. A very small percentage of writers can do it. Sure. And I want to, I want to get as close to that group of writers as I can in terms mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. What, what we can do. Cool. Um, so they show up at Ms. Peter's house. Uh, when she comes to the door, Tom recognizes her as Scott's girlfriend from the VR sex dungeon minigame. Uh, apparently Scott, this is where we learn Scott made a good deal of money by making a piece of software for a venture capital firm. And he's been living off it ever since. So that's, that's how he's uh, been doing his thing. Um, she sees Scott. She hasn't seen Scott in a long time, you know, since he, it was like 10 years or something since he was in high school. And, uh, she sees like what he's become. Cause he's, he's just so like twitchy and out of touch and you know and miss peters says the phrase a rough whimper of insanity which is the name of the episode ding Mm. and uh, apparently that is an anagram scott came up with for information superhighway and she says that it fits him now because he is a shell of who he once was like he he was once this i don't know if it's meant to be this but it's he was once this information superhighway and now he is just like whimpering in the corner because he can't deal with being in the real world um so Scott goes over on her computer. She's got, she's got VR headsets too, by the way. Just, that's just a thing people with computers have. No, you know what? This ruins our idea. So we're going to have to do a quick patch job. Uh, he gifted her some, some of his VR tech. And, and so she would have had to set. So what, here's what I like though. Here's, here's, here's where I'm at. Sure. Terminator 2. Okay, go on. <laughs> Terminator 2 is one of my favorite storylines of all time. Yeah. Because of the, because of, there are two parts of it that I like. One is I love seeing Sarah Connor. And, oh my God. There's oh, a yeah. new Sarah Connor movie coming out or something with the yeah. actual actress. I hope it's really good because I love seeing her come back and continue to be Sarah it Connor. It probably won't be, but I'm hoping it's going to be real good too. I know, I know. But I liked Terminator 2 at least. I loved that she had 80s hair and then it became mm-hmm. 90s hair mm-hmm. and it was just like, oh wow, what character girl. <laughs> But the other part that I liked was the chip is left over from the original Terminator. Correct. And then I think the guy's name is Miles Dyson as the character. Yep. Builds a massive version of it because we don't have the smallest shirt. The, the, we have the smallification technology <laughs> to make it. You that don't size have an embiggening ray to, uh, <laughs> to, you know, go on. So like that, that, the, the, the logic behind the chip is, is what's the new information. Yeah. He's able to build it. He's able to get it started now, and it's going to, you know, change everything. Mm-hmm. So 
what I'm going to say is that he must have come up with a thing 10 years ago in high school that is the gateway to neurologically affected VR. And so because she had seen it, she too has the VR that is based on... <laughs> Sorry, I'm making faces at Steve. <laughs> well, because you should. You I'm, really, I'm making really a, a face of increasing strain. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. I mean, it's something. It's something right, at least. Right, they came from common ancestry that he came up with while he was in high school. Sure. It was like, like a tweak, right? It was a formula. It was Maybe. something very subtle. If you're trying to make this uh, more in-depth episode and you want to make Ms. Peter's character more than just... Uh, you know, a, a cardboard cutout that pops up for a second and facilitates the plot. Maybe the reason he hasn't spoken to her in 10 years, they made it together. He took all the credit. Oh man, that would be interesting. That creates some very interesting conflict. Yep. So yeah, I like that. And then, and then maybe during this scene, maybe like right before the end of the episode, before they're about to go do their thing, like he uh, maybe, no, this, it would be real cheesy for him to have a copy of his will on his hand or something. But if he says to her, like, if anything happens to me, I want you to have whatever. I, I don't know. No, I don't no. Know. I'm going to take it a completely opposite direction. Okay, go direction. on. Go on. I can solve the end of this damn show Ooh, now. Oh, I know where you're going with this. So, go on. Go on. Do you want me to do it now? Or go, what? Uh, wait, wait till we get yeah, there. Yeah, wait till yeah, we get yeah, there. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Scott's trying to access Tom's files. Ms. Peters helps him come up with a solution. And she's only got like, what, one computer? <laughs> yes. Her router's not even the size of her refrigerator. Which... <laughs> yep. Uh, sorry, audience. The router is the size of the refrigerator at his house. Yeah. Um, so it's not the, a tiny little DVD sized box. So the, I guess the reason that they can't, it wasn't just that they, uh, the government uh, got them or whatever, the government caught them. It's that um, they couldn't actually take the files. I think it was, it was taking the files is what alerted the government that they were there. I think. Yeah, I'm not totally... For some reason, they can't take the files. Right, they can't move the files. They can't move the Let's files. Let's say that. Because, oh my goodness, we'll get to that. Because <laughs> they very much take the files. Sorry. Yeah. So, for some reason, the, the, the conundrum is that they can't take the files. So, what do they do? Don't take the files. You just look at them. So, the idea is to make a one-way computer network link, whatever that is... And then no one will know that you're there because you're not moving files. You're not taking anything. You are just accessing the files that are there. Guys, do you know how computers work? Obviously not because you made this episode. Whatever. It gets the plot moving to the next scene. They can go to Oak Park, Michigan via the computer. They can look at the file. They just can't take it. So Ms. Peter, Ms. Peter, Peters, Ms. Peters, Ms. Peters whips out two VR headsets and suddenly they're flying through cyberspace. Well, now, you say flying. Let's let's not use too much figurative language. They're they're much less flying, and more standing in a weird fucking pink museum. Yeah. Well, there's actually there's a part of this scene that I really like. Okay. A very small part of the scene that I really like. <laughs> All right. So they're in what I have titled the red room. Okay. Um, Scott and Tom are in a are in quote unquote random heat memory, which is represented by this red art gallery. There's paintings of people kissing, a statue of a naked woman, and da 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 da. Hidden Agenda, a painted version of Hidden Agenda, which actually looks pretty cool. And the thing that I really like about this, no attention is, is brought to it, but this is a really nice touch, 
it includes that bit of the picture uh-huh. from episode three or episode whatever that was clearly not originally part of the picture. It's in this picture. Okay. That is so, that blew my mind that someone had the foresight to cover up that retcon by making that part of the actual photo. That's really nice. Did you notice that? Or no, is that just me? Okay. No, no, that's, that's great. I did sort of, I mean, searching my memory, I do feel like it is a, it's a wider shot mm-hmm. of the execution yep. than the, than the original photograph. And so yep. that, that means that sure the, the tattoo bit that would have been cropped of the right. original. Um, so no, that's really cool. I know you. I know there's a few things you like more than a really nicely captured retcon. The, 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 we're like, sure, pull it sure. back you, from the brink. You yeah. know, there's so many times we're like, <laughs> right, even within this podcast, if they, okay, you're gonna have to say this though, right? Yeah. There's so many. So I'm glad they did that. I'm glad there's there's. I'm glad you got satisfaction. Yeah. That they that they took care of the problem that you would find decades <laughs> later. <laughs> right. Um, did you have anything else about this the scene? Not about this room. Okay. Um, so we hear a woman screaming, I think, in the background. Uh, Tom tries to take the painting. No dice. Scott throws something at it, and it shatters, and there's a green tunnel behind it. I, I like the use it, of color. In this. Sure. Okay. Um, I would call it less of a tunnel and more of a fucking weird laundry chute. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It That's is pretty accurate. <laughs> like... In an episode of maybe Doctor Who, yeah, where they were like, "Let's try to do this with a hundred dollar budget." I could maybe get. A, there was just. <laughs> they had a laundry chute, they had a pane of glass and some paint. The thing is, that's not how laundry chutes and cameras work. They didn't have a laundry chute. It's, it's um, so all right. So so this is where some of the budget went. Not yeah, all of it. This is where some of it went. I mean, they had to build these these Doctor yeah. Seuss rooms. Yeah, and it's it's fine. So uh, the green tunnel leads to a blue sci-fi room full of boxes and ladders. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the boxes, they can see it's Tom's file. It's got like, they've all got dates on them. Mm-hmm. And it takes them a little while to figure out what their dates of. I believe it is the date that Hidden Agenda was taken. I think. Uh, I, I think so. Yeah, because like they have a bunch of dates. Mm-hmm. They can't I, just go through it brute force. So Tom yeah. needs to offer up a date that they could look at. Like, I don't think it's the date that he was erased. No, I think I, it's I the think date I, the I think it's the date the photo was taken. Was taken. I, I I don't remember now. Um, it doesn't really matter. But yeah, anyway, they 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 know which one they're going to go look for. Right. Well, they 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 do open one up just to see what these are, and they see it has a file for a ten year old girl in it, possibly a ten year old girl that was disenfranchised. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, they don't spoilers. They don't get into that. Right. Um, Scott says, uh, "Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry." They do say what the date is. The date is, I mean, well, sort of. It's the date that it was copied to the disc, which was August 28th, 1995. So we went back and we uh, we did check. The very first episode was recorded, was the very first episode aired on August 28th, 1995. So this, if the first episode is to have taken place on the day that it aired, then the date, the day it was copied to disc was the day that Tom was erased, uh, which is a, it's a neat detail. Yeah. They see it up on the top shelf. They start to climb the ladders, which is hard to do for some reason. I <clears throat> took issue with this. Like, I can understand that climbing a virtual ladder might be hard, especially when you have no interface with which to climb a virtual ladder. What was your problem with it, Steve? <laughs> I can tell you're having a hard time. Note 15 here just says, Tom can't ladder. (laughs) That's pretty good. (laughs) 
I don't even know what skills would be useful in climbing a virtual ladder. I mean, the way Bruce Greenwood had to make some acting choices here because. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. He would have been instructed to not be able to climb the ladder effectively. Yeah. And as an as an adult grown man, he would have been like, what does that mean? <laughs> and they would have, yep. And they wouldn't have, clearly wouldn't have been helpful in instructing him what that should look like. Yeah. There is, it's not like he's doing a bad job. It's more like he's doing the best job he is willing to do, given the <laughs> stupidity of the request. Yeah. You are going to have trouble climbing this ladder. Okay, why? Just... Just do it. it. What it, what they're trying to sell mm -hmm. is the idea that the link between, you know, okay, it's, it's 1995. Yeah. We barely have 3D video games yet. Mm -hmm. So let's pretend it's 2005. Okay. 2005 was a terrible time period for 3D games because they were just... Because between between 95 and 2005, roughly, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if there was a 3D video game, the camera was controlled by the computer developers and the computer. Yeah. The camera was fixed or it knew a very specific way to follow the character. Yeah. Yeah. In 2005-ish, 2001, 2, 3 or something like that, mm -hmm. they decided to give camera control over to the player and the player could spin the camera around themselves. Was that like around when Halo came out? I don't know. The first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. I don't know from maybe in first person, but I'm saying in a in a character where you're following a character. Around. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, go on. Um, because you would have had camera control before then if you were just a mm -hmm. camera. Sure. But to have a to 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 have the character moving independently of the thing that was shooting, videotaping essentially the mm -hmm, character. Mm -hmm. Um, they didn't start doing that until I feel like Kingdom Hearts One was maybe the first time. Okay. Video game controllers have two joysticks on them. Yeah. They are not in the same place. Well, that's not important. Sometimes they are in the same place if it's a PlayStation controller, right? Yeah. All right. Video game controllers have two controllers. For a long time, the left controller moved the character and the right controller did nothing. Yeah. Eventually, they put the camera controls on that stick. I could imagine some... But before that, they put them on the on the bumpers left and right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's 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 what I'm saying in 2005. And so it was it was very cumbersome to rotate the camera. Mm -hmm. But maybe that's easier for someone to understand than moving the right stick cuz it definitely requires a certain amount of a new dexterity skill yeah. to yeah. move a camera where you're both running as the as the character and as the cameraman behind you tracking what you what what you can see of the character. Sure, yeah. I I do take that for granted sometimes sure. that I just instinctively can do it. And so I can accept the idea <laughs> that if this is the second video game ever that Thomas played, yeah, he can't quite get it right. Sure. He's just having trouble. Yeah. But in terms of that's where he has trouble and the acting choices he makes of, oh, huh. oh <laughs> and he can't quite keep, he sort of, he sort of pause at the ladder. Would you have preferred? Yeah. If at one point he starts running into a corner and just keeps running, <laughs> that would have been more accurate. That would have been so funny <laughs> and so beyond the level of humor of this show. Yep. <laughs> 
But that's it, right? Or, or like, or or in Rick and Morty, which you referenced earlier, in the literally the episode, the episode I'm saying, the gut apples yeah. campaign yeah. that is meant to be of the similar, but uh, to the to the gut milk campaign, where the simulation is glitching. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like the real world starts glitching, oh, or no. what what people think is the real world starts glitching. Oh no! I have now talked myself into it's okay that he was glitching because of the twist we're gonna do at the end of the story. <laughs> So I'm going to just say, because this yeah. wasn't here when I watched it. Okay. For my sanity, because this is, this is of the series, worse than him setting the guy on fire in terms of Whoa. why this is so silly. Okay. 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 <sighs> or at least it was when I was watching it because it amped up. It, it, it got a run for its money in about five seconds. Yeah. Um. I'm going to say. If you want to say what, what when we get to, if, if it is your silliest moment of the episode, go ahead and say it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it absolutely is. There's no doubt in my mind. Mine but, is coming up pretty soon. Yeah. Um, if the teacher mm-hmm. had these VR helmets that are whatever based on some discovery that Scott made in high school. <laughs> sure. Maybe, you know, they're not as good. Like she's. She, she, they're a little, the interface between the irises and the pupil yeah. and your entire nervous system <laughs> is not as linked up as it should be. Sure. Or maybe it was an indicator of the sedition that I am headcanoning Ooh, there, into this episode. There you go. So. Uh, in, in Ready Player One, the book, mm-hmm. they do, there is a uh, reference made to the fact that like different people have different interfaces. There are more expensive right, ones. There are cheaper right. ones. And it never goes anywhere. There's never a point where a character like, oh, no, I can't do this because I don't have a good enough interface. The characters always have the best interface possible. Um, But it could have been cool if there was a story element where the level of interface was it was not as good as they were used to. So they made mistakes. Mm -hmm. Could be what you're saying here. Yes. Right. He had the Cadillac of VR a minute ago and that's what he got used to. And in addition to not being young and hip and able to move that camera with his right thumb. Yeah. As he moves forward with his left thumb, not that he even has a controller. He's just using, goes through the eyes into the. Yeah. Into the brain. So, uh. So yeah, Tom is uh, having trouble climbing up this thing. I noticed a small detail here. I don't know what, maybe it was just. Something stuck to his shoe. Scott has a white circle on the bottom of one of his shoes. I, I don't know why. I just I noticed okay. that. I wrote it in my notes. Um, Can I tell you something else that's dumb? Yeah, go. Sorry to hijack again. No, go for it. They are both going up different ladders at other either ends of this room. Well, now hang on a minute. Is there a reason for this? Have you played The Sims? <laughs> you can't have two people going up the same set of stairs at the same time. One of them will wait until the other one has gone up and exited the stairs. Are they both going after the same box? You would think. Does Tom go towards them? Like, what is it? They are both very, they have very different <laughs> ideas about where this file is. Tom is wrong. Because yeah. then that would have, you know, so that he can't get information. It's the, it's Scott who gets the information. He has so much trouble going up this ladder. And it occurred to me during the time we've sat here that there's not even a reason for him to go up the ladder. Yeah. There's not even a reason for it, Gabe. He doesn't even explain why he's going up the ladder. It's not because he's good at it. No. He's not just there to show off his ladder climbing skills. He's just going up to get a box that's 100 feet to his right. That his friend is closer to the box. (laughs) Now, it would make sense that Tom would be going up if, 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 if it was that 
they could only look at the box while they were right in front of the box. But that's not the case. I'll get to that in just a second. Um, Tom falls off the ladder. I don't know why that happened or what it represents. Because he can't ladder. Because he can't ladder. It's. Just, I really think he, it's just they. That's part of my first. That this is that is included in what I'm talking about. Okay. Is that he's so bad at climbing ladders, he fails at laddering. Yeah. He has to start over. He takes a shoot down to the bottom. He's got to ladder his way back up. I would assume that it's, he hit the wrong button. He tried yeah. to try to open up his menu, but with the, accidentally with the, like the wrong back. pupil. <laughs> yes. With the, with the um, light coming into his eyes, didn't go ahead. So go Scott up. finds the file. He yeah. confirms that it is Tom's. He starts reading it mm-hmm. and he says, oh, my God, it's not what you thought. Which is a very cool line. It is a very cool line. And then the room starts to shake. Oh. Now, Scott takes the file and tries to leave with it. The whole point was that they could not take files. That's why they were using the kind of connection they were using. If it was, you can take the file, but don't take the file, they would have said, you can take the file, but don't take the file. It's we will use a one-way connection. A one-way connection does not sound like something that at any point you can just be like, yeah, well, it'll be a two-way connection. It was a two-way connection the whole time. Can you take the files or not? And if you can take the files, why are you using that connection? Because that's the whole point. Anyway, the, the shaking room is apparently someone starting to delete the system. To which I have to ask, if they could delete all of this stuff, why didn't they? Oh, I was under the impression. <laughs> I hate that I am defending any detail of this scene. Yeah. I was under the impression this is just one they missed. I feel like there was something earlier on where he was like, yeah, they got rid of most of the stuff. That that, that that him interacting with this. Then why are they deleting it right now? Do you mean not like 20 minutes ago when they well, were running away? Well, no, because it was all already deleted. When It was presumably deleted when Tom was erased. That's why when earlier when Scott first went to go look for Tom, there was nothing out there. He said they would they they deleted everything. He didn't mean right now they deleted everything because why would they delete everything right that moment? It wasn't until he got into like the MIT thing that they were on to him. Uh-huh. So everything would have presumably already been deleted at a previous date. Like they deleted all of Tom's records everywhere back when he was deleted or shortly thereafter. I was under the impression that what where what we're looking at is like like a reconstitution of the data, like like like, like that it was that it was deleted, but not like well, like it wasn't like super overwritten, whatever deleted other cop shows. But then, well, again, with the whole we'll do a one way connection so that they won't know you're there. If they are now deleting it, it's because they know that they're there. Definitely, I'm with you on that. Definitely, my problem then is not. That, that, that this room exists at all. Yeah. Are you, are you, is that not your problem either? You're saying, I, how do they know that they're there? My issue is, why is it being deleted right now? Oh, yeah, no, definitely they tricked... If they tripped an alarm... They tripped an alarm of some kind because... What was the whole... Why did they even have to say, we'll use a one-way connection, whatever? Like, uh, why was that even part of it if it never pays off? Is it because... Like, certainly they looked at the other file and nothing happened. I guess that's true. So I think the conceit is supposed to be there's something special about Tom Vale's file that even a one-way connection can't mask itself. Okay. Okay. That's sort of what, you know. All right. I'll, I'll buy I that. I was busy with the latter thing and didn't really think about <laughs> okay. all the other things that could be wrong with this scene. Yeah. It certainly works, though, in terms of uh, our rewrite of what's actually happening. Sure. Sure. Um, so not only is the room shaking, but the room is starting to turn to static, mm-hmm. which bad effect, but terrifying. If you think of like, if you were in your 
house and suddenly everything started to turn to, to static. That yeah. would be terrifying. Yeah. And um, I've gotten like lightheaded and, and, you know, seen spots or something. Yeah. And so it would be like that, but worse. But you know that it is not in your head. If you knew the world is turning to static around you. Right. I guess. And anyway. Well, let's take a brief. I mean, should we? Let's talk about. Uh, well, okay. I, I didn't. Go ahead I, then. Okay. Anyway, anyway. Because um, we're going to have to talk about. Yeah, we'll we'll get little... to it in, in just just a second. Right, just a second. Ahead, I I just meant as as a visual. Yeah, like, it'd, it'd be terrifying if you the walls literally started to turn to yeah, sand. No, be terrifying. It'd be, it'd be terrifying. Um, Scott accidentally drops the file conveniently. Um, he stays behind, says he can't escape, tells Tom to leave. The room and Scott are consumed by static while Tom stumbles out of the room. Um, this is if I were to pick my uh my wackiest moment of this it mm-hmm. is it is more a a, a projected moment so uh tom is like stumbling his way through the uh the the green hall or the green corridor slash laundry chute yeah and i would love to take a video file of this just this shot of tom running and stumbling whatever because the camera's very violently shaking while he's doing this yeah i would love to just stabilize that video <laughs> so that you get to see Bruce Greenwood just drunkenly stumble down a plain, narrow, single person wide hallway. <laughs> I think that would be hilarious. There's a, there's a lot of other goofy moments in this episode, but those are too easy. So I'm picking this one. All right. No, that's excellent. That's very, very interesting. Cause I've seen that with, uh, I've, I've only actually seen that done on the original Star Trek, okay. but I've seen where it's just, Whoa. Uh, the shake cam- in the camera adds a lot. A lot. <laughs> that was the MVP of this scene was the camera shake. Yeah. Um, so. So Tom presumably, you know, uh, goes back up the chute into the pink room. I guess he gets out of VR. Why he couldn't just take it off. I don't know. Um, well, the thing is like uh, because of the things, man, you can't just take it off because you got to reach a. The point of entry or whatever, which was up a shoot. Up a shoot. Anyways, please continue. Uh, So back in Ms. Peter's house, they take off Scott's headset and he's brain dead or something. (laughs) It says here on my notes, if you die in VR, you die in real life. I mean. The body can't survive without VR. That's that's, that's what. That's what they're doing. That's what happens in this episode. A year before the Matrix comes out. Yeah. I don't think it was based on maybe they're based on similar source material or something. Maybe maybe they saw something else and two people were like, oh in the Matrix, they really sell the idea that you can't just die in the Matrix. you can't just be pulled out of the Matrix. It's well it's sort of weird as hell, but they at least have shit for it. Because in that, it is a physical connection. Yes. That is a giant spike jabbed into the back of your head. Right. So it would make sense if that spike is not ready to be pulled out of your head. Sure. Pulling it out of your head would be bad. They do the legwork to establish this is going to be bad, so don't do it. Yeah. In this, it is literally, they just put a thing over their eyes and now Scott is brain dead. Yeah. Tom points out that it wasn't real, but Ms. Peter says, if your mind thinks it's real, it's real. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Okay, buddy. (laughs) Tom pleads with Scott that it wasn't real. He pleads with Scott's brain dead body. Says he could have escaped. Ms. Peter says it was his choice. So he legit decided to commit suicide via VR. For reasons. Well, I mean, he, he, his world had crumbled. Yeah. I mean, they sold that hard. The fisheye lens thing. Yeah. Okay. 
I don't like it. <laughs> I don't, I, okay, I, I buy it. I don't like it. <laughs> that's, that's what we're going to call the podcast. I don't like <laughs> I it, don't but like I buy it. it. Exactly. Um, we can we can circle back to this, but the episode's almost over. There's a slow pan out uh, of the house with uh, with with um, Scott sitting in front of the computer, not moving. Yeah. Those of us who live in fear keep our secrets hidden, protected from prying eyes. Only Scott knows what drove him to make the decision that he made, and only Scott knows the answer to the question that I've been searching so hard to find. There are more of us in the darkness than most people realize. I know this. It's where I live. So as recaps go, uh, I have to say that was an attracting experience for me. Okay. <laughs> I have to say that that, that, did not, that, that that did not do nothing and it did not help. <laughs> it made it worse. <laughs> um, I forgot about this line about only Scott knows why he did this and what he saw. Uh, so in this monologue, which I am not going to accept as part of the story <laughs> – I guess, Gabe, what he's saying is he committed suicide by VR because of what he read in Tom's file. Oh. Whatever was in Tom's file was so bad, it tipped him over the edge. Are we rooting for Tom now? I don't even know. What is in his past is so bad that it drove someone to suicide just finding it out? (laughs) Digital self-immolation just by reading the file. I think that's, that's why I'm saying I am not canonizing that outro. Okay. Um, now I'm not going to give the show credit because I guarantee you they did not have this plan when they wrote this. Okay. But I know things from the end of the series. Right. There are, you know, they're sprinkled about. There are some revelations that yeah. have some weight to them. Yeah. And I can understand when Scott looked at it and said, "Like, oh my God, it's not what you think." Sure. I understand what that could possibly mean. Sure. I don't think they knew what it meant when they wrote. The oh episode. no, I don't think so either. So, no. <laughs> Um, I have a note about that line because I don't have a problem. I love that line mm-hmm. if it is pocket suspense, if it is something you are going to hold off for two acts of your television show and give at the conclusion of that episode. Yeah. Um, of the episode, two acts of the episode. Okay. Two commercial breaks. Sure. Like you'll see that in uh, uh, detective shows and mystery shows and cop shows a lot. I've noticed it a lot more because it's been pointed out to me mm-hmm. that one of the easiest ways to create suspense is a character learns something, but but the audience doesn't see it. Like sure. like you see them look at a piece of paper or or watch us, you know, and and then they cut to meanwhile back at the ranch, some mm-hmm. other part of the story, and we forget that they know information that we don't know, and then they come back. Oh yeah, they know something that we don't know. To do that with a multiple episode, I don't mind that trick if it's a single episode trick. Okay. If it's within the episode, I don't mind it because they're going to resolve it. Because then it's like a, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot. It's a smoke and mirrors. It's a magic act. It's a, ooh. But like you said, no, I don't think they could give us any detail about what was in the file because they didn't know yet. Yeah. If we go back to treating this as a high school video project, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like they eventually arrive at something that loops that back in and would make it cool and make it – on par with uh, with his reaction. Yeah. So I'm not going to. I mean, it's so vague. There could be literally endless sure. things that that could mean. Sure. But I'm just going to hold on to the, not hope, but hope with Splenda. Yeah. That uh, in the future, if Splenda isn't a thing, that's an artificial sweetener. It doesn't taste the same, but it's less calories. Uh, I'm just going to hope. 
that, yes, I will look back on this and go, ooh, ooh. All right. Let's <laughs> so, talk about what we th- – what, what the, the episode we're writing. Let's see if we're on the same page yes. here. So the idea being that uh, Ms. Peters the somehow bill- sabotaged this. Yeah. Sabotaged their entrance back into right. the, the Matrix, I was about to say. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, I, I do like the idea of they built it together. Mm-hmm. And she's she's she doesn't seem mad about it, but oh, she was mad about it the whole time. Like she wouldn't have to change her performance at all. Would be nice, actually. Like they don't actually call her. Tom makes he goes to a yellow page just to like find her address, sure. I think. Yeah. Um, and then they just show up out of nowhere. If they called her, yep. And Scott was like, "She's probably gonna be really mad at me because I kind of screwed her over a bunch of years ago." And they call her. She's and, intriguing just in itself. Yeah. Just him saying something like that. And then. They call her and she's like, you're with Scott. And then like, there's maybe a pause. And then she's like, look, I'll put what's behind us. Let's I'll put it behind us. Come on. I've got the perfect thing. Let's get you all, you know, let's get you all. Set. Like she's, she is especially friendly, maybe not like suspiciously frank friendly, but friendly enough that you, you think, okay, she's put it behind her. You know, they say, oh yeah, she made a fortune making some other stuff. So, so she's not, she's not bitter. Hey, it happens. Let's toast to whatever. I don't know. And then turns out, oh, no, no, uh, they she sabotaged it. Because here's the thing. Here's something I love and hate when it is clear the the writers of a movie or TV show, whatever, clearly did not think beyond the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. There is now a brain dead child, a brain dead, brain dead man child in this woman's house. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do? There is a, so the movie, The Ring, have you seen the movie, The Ring? I have not. It's a horror movie. I think it's probably one of the best horror movies in the world. It, it genuinely terrified me and still does to this day. Wow. Okay. The sequel is hot garbage. <laughs> There's a lot that went wrong in the sequel. One of which is the main character who at this point is under suspicion of having kidnapped her son from like, he was, she was accused of abusing him. So they had him in like some sort of a, like a, some sort of a hospital. And then the child escaped they think that the mother came and kidnapped him, whatever. That is one thing that she is suspected of because the child escaped on its own, on his own, went back to their house. The child also, spoilers, the child for a big portion of this is the bad guys. He's possessed by the, the ghost oh, or whatever. Okay. This child ends up killing the police officer that was in charge of this case mm. in his car in front of their house. The movie ends with her having come home found her son, gotten the ghost out of her son, whatever. And then it just ends with the two of them in their house. She is still under suspicion of having kidnapped her son. And there is the dead body of the cop that was in charge of the case in front of their house (laughs) in plain view. Similarly, in this episode, there is a kid who was just wanted by some sort of uh, shadowy organization that probably has influence in the police or whatever. Yeah. And he's just sitting in this woman's house. What are they going? What are they going to do? I want this episode to go like another hour, well, not not an hour of the episode. Like fast forward an hour right, in right. in universe time and yeah. tell me what happened there. This is not un. This is not dissimilar from the end of the Amazing Derek. Good point. Where, where you also caught that like the people he leaves in his wake are now they fucked. are they at best are are being mm-hmm. killed. At worst, they are being tortured for information about Tom. Maybe maybe that's not even worse. Maybe something is worse than that. Sure. At best, 
the government people are going to see them and then kill them like they killed everyone else that interacted with Tom earlier in that episode. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Not a happy ending. Right? Yeah. Wow. I, uh... All right. Well, in the uh, rewrite where she's bad guy, then, you know, now she's just screwed and she gets her come up. And so it's actually a good ending to that episode. Maybe. <laughs> I, imagine, <laughs> I imagine she would if she was going to basically kill someone in her house, she would have some sort of a plan for that. But who knows? Well, even if she escapes, whatever. Yeah, what, whatever. It is, it is better. Than... Oh, man. Or or hey, mm-hmm. this episode gets to be bonkers. Our rewrite gets to be bonkers. When they Tom comes out of the machine. His body's gone. His body was literally in the internet. That's right. The cells <laughs> believed it. Yes. And so. Or something weird like, I don't know, they come out of the machine and then like he crumbles to dust or, or something. <laughs> something. Dust. I love it. He at crumbles least, to dust. At least he crank it up to 10. Like it. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark. He just yes. melts. Yeah. So, so your, uh, your silliest moment was Tom can't ladder. Mine was, uh, the, the scene of Tom walking down the green hallway and stabilizing that. If you had to pick a cleverest moment in this episode, what would it be? In terms of not the character, but Mm -hmm. in terms of the writing, I do think it's not what you think is a great line. Okay. Um, right. Along with the, uh, who are you? Right. They did some really good. They 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 added to the intrigue. If this show didn't didn't mess around with us so much, mm-hmm. um, I do wish. <clears throat> I don't think they've earned. It's not what you think, and then yeah. that character dies. I don't think they've earned. That's that's just messing with us. Yeah. That's blue balling yeah. the audience. Is not okay. Um, do you have a thing for what is Tom's cleverest? Uh, I like that he was calm. Mm-hmm. When he when this kid was freaking out, I, I did. Like I didn't that notice that, but I'll go with that too. I um I was gonna say because it's not necessarily Tom's cleverest moment. It's just like the the part of the episode that was the most clever. And I I was gonna say just the, the whole scene outside. I really really liked. Okay. I thought it was okay. it was so well shot, so well directed. It, it looked great. It was it was probably the best, the most well composed part of the episode. And not I didn't even notice Tom's composure. That would have made it even better. Cool. So, all right. So the next episode is called. It is called the Alpha Spike. Okay. I'm gonna tell you right now. You're not gonna guess what it's about. <laughs> uh, I, um, I guess opinion spoilers. I think it's an okay episode. It's this show has a couple different types of episodes. Yeah. And this one fits squarely in. I don't even know if I want to say, cause I don't want to tell you what the episode is. Do you want me to like, no. Okay. I won't say what the episode is about, but like the type of episode we were about to watch. I think we've had an episode or two like this. Okay. And we'll have more episodes like this. It is like a, a type of episode. There's maybe two or three types of episodes for the show. And it is squarely in one of those. Okay. Well, I like the idea that this episode will know what the hell it is. Okay. Is that what I- you're saying? I, I would say so, yeah. Like I, it's I think, not a vague, meandering episode. It knows exactly what kind of episode it's trying to be. I, I'd, say, I'd say so, yeah. In terms of what kind of things the show does. Yeah. Okay. Also, there is a, a guest a guest star on this ep- that oh, episode okay. that I don't think was very big at the time, but is has been pretty big since. So okay. I was very happy to see him in it. Okay. Um, 
Let me make sure. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry. And then the one after that has another guest star that is going to be much more famous for the time. <laughs> uh, I wanted to make sure that I had the right episode. Uh, okay. So yeah, the Alpha Spike is the next uh, the next episode. And then uh, you ask me where I think the show is going usually, yeah. right? I now am interested in Tom versus Blight Town. Okay. Blight Town is level in Dark Souls mm-hmm. that I reference a lot because in Dark Souls, a lot of the things are difficult, but mm-hmm. then you get to Blight Town. I once I got to Blight Town, I sent you a message online that just said Blight Town, <laughs> and your response was just all capitals. Ha 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 ha. Yep. Um, I have it screenshotted. Good. Blight Town is a psychological masterpiece. Mm-hmm. In that it is designed to look much larger than it is. Yep. It is designed to look much more confusing than it is. It's very oppressive. Oppressive is wonderful. Yeah, it's very oppressive. That's a great terminology. It's designed to freak you out. And the things that will kill you in Blighttown are being scared of Blighttown. Yeah. There are two levels to it. Assuming you go in you go in the normal way, not the secret <laughs> way. Um the first part of it is very scary mm-hmm. and will have exhausted many of your coping resources. Then you get down to the bottom and the swamp is poisonous. Yes. The ground is poison. And you can kind of almost avoid the poison, but not enough. And mm-hmm. you will and, and and it is trying to avoid the poison that is the most deadly part of that, yeah. as far as I can tell. Because the poison is actually so slow going, so slowly sapping your hit points. For anybody who doesn't play video games, poison uh, is not just, oh, what is poison? Poison removes your hit points slowly over time. Generally speaking, yeah. One, one time I brought that up to my mother and she was like, I didn't know that. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> poison, uh, the trope of poison is that it slowly removes your hit points over time. Mm-hmm. It does so so slowly that something else is going to kill you. Yeah. You have to just not worry about the poison and that is difficult to internalize in your head. Yeah. There's a lot that Tom has to be up against. I like the idea that he maybe is starting to ignore the poison. Okay. That's what I like about okay. this episode is maybe in the future he's going to be more able to ignore and, like I said, become immune to his circumstances, that he's going to become less and less susceptible to the parts of his life that now suck so that he can be effective. I cool. doubt that he's going to be effective based on the writing we're seeing. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the generous supply of uh, uh, hand waving that we do for this show. <laughs> I'm sure there will be times where it's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is Tom. Tom is just getting good. <laughs> and he's not distracted by uh, his fears. Yeah. And so it's admirable that he's doing this ridiculous thing from the 90s that I hate. So that's where I expect the show to go. Okay. Cool. We'll, we'll see if that pans out. We, we will see if that pans out. Okay. Um, you got anything else for this episode? I don't think I do. Episode is bonkers. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. See you next time. To contact us, send us an email at nowheremenpodcast at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at NowhereMenPod for updates. For more content created by Steve, go to bit.ly slash NowhereWizard. And if you want to hear me talk about tabletop role-playing games, check out my main podcast, Interparty Conflict, found wherever podcasts are sold. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And thanks for listening.